and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast brought to you by the Adventure Archive. My name is Ryan. Uh, and I am Conan of Samaria. What is best in life? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wait, hold uh, on. Uh, I'll put you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, uh, the limitations of our women and defeating our enemies and all those kind of things. Yep. You know what? Actually, as a matter of fact, hi, everyone. We're going to tangent immediately. My One of my favorite Conan the Barbarian quotes um is in this book at the end um but uh hey ryan what the fuck are we talking about actually how are you buddy i'm doing all right how are you it's really weird when we open the show and we're not like hey we're about to interview a person you know it's like uh you know i feel like we i feel like we haven't done as many lately i feel like the beginning of the year we fucking january february we really did yeah we went hard yeah yeah but yeah lately we've had a, a lot of cool stuff going on and um and uh yeah it, it is kind of weird to just like do an episode um you know what but today we're gonna be doing the black sword hack from uh kobayashi and the merry mushman and you know what i meant to do before we started but i didn't and everyone in in podcast land is not gonna see both myself and hunter leave camera for a second i should grab the fucking book that's what i should do so i'm on camera um, yeah, look at you. Make, so just to make sure that we're uh, we're matching today, you know, we got <laughs> gotta wear oh, our. Oh, uh, gotta we gotta rock that visible uh, limitations <laughs> to maximum megatherian shirt. Yeah, so Let's fucking go. I say something. I was like, oh, it's right next to me. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. So uh, as we get grooving here, I just need to find this goddamn book. Of course, it's at the bottom of a pile. So. Ryan, so today do you want to do uh you want to do some Kickstarters first? Yeah, I think we should. Finally, got the book. Woo! Black Sword Hack, you have yours, right? Yeah. So we'll go over this a little bit more, but as Hunter just said, as we ooh man, look at us professional fucking <laughs> podcasters really know how to get an episode going. Yeah, Hello, like everybody. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we just started. We'll be right back. Um we're going to be doing Black Sword Hack from Kobayashi and the Merry Mushman. This is a hack of the Black Hack. Uh, sword and Sorcery, more cocky and fantasy. Very excited for that. But as Hunter just said, we are going to quick do... We don't do this as often as much anymore. First of all, because I think both of us are kind of like not... I know I don't back as many Kickstarters as I usually do. Oh, I, or I, ha or I did in the past. Do, I had a problem. And like when we started, what was that? Was that 2021? Into 2022, I think, was yeah. about when we yeah, started, yeah. right? um yep. yeah huge huge thousands of dollars just wasted i wish i still made that kind of money but rip yeah you know what's crazy is right at the end of 2021 that i still had some 5e projects that i had backed like a year <laughs> or two prior that hadn't delivered and yeah. then went from went from like oh i, I you know I, I play 5e to man i really want to play other games too i play a lot of other games and 5e kind of sucks to fuck 5e in that period of time like a bunch oh. of projects didn't get sent to me and then once i get to that i don't want anything to do with 5e ever again thing i had like five six seven big projects to deliver i'm like well great thanks for this friends yeah i mean it's like so i the first thing i backed um was um avatar the last airbender and that was right when we started mm -hmm. um right about when we started and yeah by the time i got it i'm like i don't want to play a game like this <laughs> I'm like yeah there's too many rules I'm, I'm i'm more of a you know yeah lightweight kind of guy okay but what are we talking about real quick how many projects do you think i've backed i, I the, 
a ton. I mean, because I've backed like a hundred and something, so it has to be more than that. A couple more than a hundred, yeah. Four hundred and forty-two. Holy shit! Hey, yeah. uh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, here's two of them. Uh, so uh, the first one we want to talk about a ton is uh, 1978, the night they came home from Adam Vass World Champ Game Co. Um, anyone that's watched the show, I have a whole shelf right above me of, of Adam's stuff. Um, anyone who is um, a fan of the show or watched our show at all knows that we are big fans of Adam Vass um, and uh, World Champ Game Co. Love the stuff that they do. Um, yeah, massive and, fans. Uh, this, massive yeah, Robin this, fans. Just enormous, in just, yeah. So don't, say the, is, don't say that other E word you're about to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is no exception to that at all. Um, this is 1978, the night they came home, a 1v1 horror story game of supernatural slasher and resilient survivor faded to face off forever. So this one is really cool. I actually got a chance to read through the playtest documents of this, um, and it's really, really fantastic. Yeah. The, the, the whole slasher vibe absolutely comes through in the mechanics in in the in the way that the whole game is put together and it's not just um adam vass on this it's also logan dean who has done some amazing awesome stuff like the company uh so really cool to see them um was it mega uh, core games is that the yep yep absolutely yeah and then uh and justin i think it's justin valier as well black coffee does the art which is absolutely fantastic so um this is a really short project it's funded already um but it only has a week left to go i think they're only doing a two maybe three weeks on this so if yeah. you listen to this you want to hop on and grab it right away but 1978 is a one or two player horror game um telling the story of a fateful showdown between survivor um and a slasher using a deck of poker cards dual rule books varied resources and shared played space Players will recount the events of a forsaken Halloween, zooming closer into the haunting folklore of a small Midwestern town and its inhabitants, and culminating in a violent battle for survival. Really fucking dope art. Really amazing vibe across the entire thing. For those that haven't seen the, the page or aren't uh, watching right now, there's a lot of this dual kind of like half face art where there's like half a face of this like female survivor, half a face of this like slasher looking guy just looks about as much of a 90 slasher as you can possibly imagine um and then the whole thing includes if you back at the highest tier which you should the pools of blood tier uh for 50 bucks which is i think really very reasonable 50 bucks for what you get you know incredibly reasonable um you get two unique rule books you get a printed cloth play mat love that uh, you get yeah, right. A custom poker deck. Love that. A lot of people use poker cards when they make projects and then are, uh, are like, you have a poker deck, right? Um, I love that you actually <laughs> get one with this. Um, and then a token collection to track resilience, fear, and fate. And the tokens are like little kitchen knives. Like, it, it, it's just a really, really cool vibe across the entire project. It looks really, really neat. Um, and it is right here at the beginning of summer, which is perfect slasher season. Um, so it, it's 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 fantastic. I'm very excited for this. There's a day phase and a night phase. Day phase is really setting up, like, the events of the day, the creepy stuff right. that people notice, all that. And the night phase it's is like the actual accumulation battle in the house. of like Functionally, it's like accumulation of resources to spend at night. Um, 
but yeah really cool uh a fun two-player game like i uh my girlfriend and i are gonna play it it's gonna be very fun i'm gonna be uh the final girl though so she's gonna be the killer um just Good. like real life yeah. uh yeah right yeah yeah so um so yeah this is 1978 from a world sim game coming out of us highly highly recommend it like i said we both got a chance to read, read the playtest documents and i absolutely cannot wait to get the full bits of this um as far as i know and i don't know if it's on here um but uh, there may be a solo player mode too where you can just pick one or the other um and then um uh be able to play on your own so the play mat is kind of designed for that as well so um just a great looking project super excited for it and uh you know you know us anything that adam puts out we're gonna fucking we're gonna be Very fucking true. Looking at. yeah so um yeah and then the other one we wanted to do real quick is called memory an adventure for mothership from crab dominion um where uh you have crashed on an alien planet with no memory of how you got there your only option is to try to escape um, same thing with this. I, I've had a chance to chat with Crab Dominion. We've actually got to play in a game together recently. Um, very cool person. Great creator. This is number one of their inspired classics. It's a really fun, interesting adventure. I've got to read um, bits and pieces and uh, a lot of the highlights for it. Um, and it it just, it seems very Mothership. Um, but the thing with a lot of like really good Mothership adventures is, although it is Mothership, they all feel a little bit different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, totally. You know, yeah, I mean, you when Mothership, what was it? Was it last year or the year before where, like, every fucking campaign on Kickstarter was just another Mothership adventure? Right. I got all um, those. <laughs> right? And a lot of them are fucking bangers. Like, the people that do this. And I, I think that the Mothership community in general works very well with each other to yeah. make sure that a lot of their stuff doesn't become just, like, shovelware. You know what I mean? Like, there's a, a huge supportive community within the writer community of mothership that thursday night games and sean mccoy have put together um that really um that really helps each other out a ton and it shows in a lot of their work um and not only that um before i talk about a little bit more uh, a couple of names you might know attached to this project uh someone named christian sorrell uh meet castle gameware no I idea who He's only edited like 50, 60, 70 <laughs> projects already this year. Um, and then the artist, uh, Zach Hazard Valpin, um, who uh, has done the art for like Fallen. He did the art for Lumina Horror. Right. So amazing artist and fantastic editor attached to this project. So um, just just that alone, I think, would be enough to be go, okay, well, then this he is He also not did, suck. I think he did some of the art for uh, Battlefields at, uh, or Bloodfields at Black Star Station, which is another. Um, mothership hex crawl yeah from christian uh, well. yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um so uh, again just a really cool looking project um this is a 30 page adventure for mothership featuring new aliens and, and um, a new planet five new alien adversaries including amnoids and star splitters a nine area point crawl you know we love us a good point and hex crawl a 10 room mini dungeon and a rich compelling narrative we have awoken on a strange planet with no memory of arriving there um it, it's it's really neat um the uh z there's a section here on xenobiology with this just mature star splitter from zach that terrifying just terrifying and yeah if I, if I saw this i would i'd give up i'd be like yeah, oh okay this is the yep. end so yeah there's a lot of times <laughs> where people fight where i would just be like nah no, I'm good, not bro. this one. Yeah. That's fine. You're, I'm good. I don't know if I want to um, exist in the universe where this is real. <laughs> yep. 
Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, great, um, great looking project. Excited to to actually get it physically in hands. As I said, I've got to read uh, bits and pieces of it already, and it's it's really really neat. This is one I would definitely want to bring to the table. Um, it does. It is funded. Um, it does have 24 days left. Uh, the funding goal was 1500, um, and it has reached 4400. So, um, by that context, it's definitely gone way over its goal. Um, but it does have some stretch goals. Um, where uh, that most of which are unlocked uh, more interior art um, editor bonus pamphlet adventure um, some more full page art is what's left at 6500 and another editor bonus at 7500 so with 24 days left to go um, hopefully we get all the way to the top um, I'd love to see this thing reach uh, its full potential so uh, grab both of those projects we got um, memory from crab dominion and uh, 1978 the night they came home from um, Adabas and Logan Dean um, World Champ Game Co. and Megacore. So, fantastic stuff. And uh, just a quick kickstart the podcast there. And uh, we'll get into this game. So Such you, a rare occurrence for something we used to do every episode. Uh. <laughs> right? Literally, for like 40... We have to. We, we used to have to be... Can we cut kickstart the podcast less than an hour? Can we do <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. Um, ready for some Black Sword hack? Oh, no. Not at all. No? Nah. Uh, that was all the right. episode. Well, Good night. Right. Hey, everybody. Oh, yeah. Wait, we're still here. Okay. Um I guess I guess we're just going to do the do the game then. So, yeah. uh so we both love the shit out of this game. Um yeah. but why do you because I really really enjoy it. You love the shit out of it. Why do you love, oh, love this, this game. game so much? Uh, so yeah. I actually grew up um with a lot of Conan the Barbarian stuff. And like let me say right now that if you go back and you read almost anything that Robert E. Howard has written, including all of the Conan stories, they're incredibly misogynistic and like not even just vaguely racist. They are also racist. So I 100% acknowledge as we go in there, uh, go into this. But like the genre of swords and sorcery I've always found is like really enjoyable um, because it's it's kind of grimdarky without being overly so. Um and it's like grim weird grim weird grim weird is a great way to describe it it's very gritty it's very real for a lot of times and when there's magic it's weird it's dark and there's kind of a cost to it people who use magic are usually seen as like yeah they're kind of usually a little bad or at least a little bad and there are like um there are also elements of like weird uh over-the-top sci-fi that kind of like dips head in uh, maybe not in Conan, but some other series here and there. Uh, it's just weird. It's, it's a space for weird stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm into it. So, yeah, this whole book, I really, I mean, first off, it's D20 Rule Under, which, if you've not realized, um, is my ideal way to go. And I just like how the characters are put together. Um, mm -hmm. I like the use of the Doom um, die, which we'll get to. Um, and, yeah, I, I think this is a really, like, well-put-together game. Um, it's obviously a hack of, uh, of, of black hack. Um, and yeah, I, don't know, I just like it. You know, I should be liking stuff. I'd be having opinions. Hey, listen, you're allowed to like stuff and have opinions. That's kind of our whole fucking thing. Um, mm. so yeah, I mean, similar, similar reason why I really enjoy it. I mean, I just think that the, um, it's simple in all the right ways, which yeah. is always really enjoyable. And um, and the kind of like kind of classless, but not classless kind of thing. Very like fluid you said, the classes, you know, like mm -hmm. your ability to like mix and match backgrounds. Like I've made some really interesting characters, you know, for sure. And it just 
that's one thing I like about games like this, and one thing that I um maybe I should bring it back to the top because I somehow went all the way at the bottom. Um, that I um really want to see in 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 my own games that I work on and stuff like that. I I love games like um kind of like Karen and Eve and stuff like that where you the the quasi classless but you still have like a direction so yeah. yeah when we get into those things those will um it is really interesting the way that they do it and i like that you're not completely pigeonholed um is by picking just like one aspect of it which is really yeah. really neat so, i super agree um and then um physically we we both got the book which is stunning because you know for anyone that hasn't got mary mushman stuff um all their stuff is fucking fantastic really very good all of the knock books, the um, the fucking um, the 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 it's it's folklore. Right there. There's the yeah, OSC folklore, folklore beast theory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really fantastic. Yeah. I definitely got the the OSC one, not the five E one. The five E cover was beautiful. And then uh, the physical book um also came with uh with the Chaos Crier, which Little is such zine. a dope dope looking scene. I I really hope that they keep coming out with Chaos Crier. So Chaos Crier for those, those listening um is just like more material it kind of reminds me of like the old like dragon magazines or whatever where you'd like just have more material for you to put in your game and so it has like a couple of adventures uh, a couple of enemy types um and it was like really cool my only my only complaint about chaos crier is that the font is really fucking small um yeah. the font is i was like oh fuck bro i'm gonna have to get uh, first couple of that, but there are a couple of them just like oh shit man Can't get my old, man. glasses we're getting old. Yeah. yeah, get them bifocals on, son. Um, yeah. But really, right. very cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, not only that, I mean, the fucking art, too. Yeah. From very, Goran. I'm per- gonna, perfect art. Yeah. I'm going to say it wrong, so I'm going to scroll down so that I can get as close as I possibly can. Um, Goran Gligovich is what I'm going to say, and I'm, then I'm going to apologize for saying it like that because it's probably wrong. Amazing. Mm. Yeah, um, if you click on the hyperlinked uh, name that they have, um, these books hyperlinked, uh, you can go look at the rest of their work, which is all very cool. Um, yeah. uh, and it's all very Swords and Sorcery-esque. Um, yeah, so... <clears throat> uh, so the first... Uh, this first couple spreads... Uh, I got You're in page mode, huh? So am I, actually, for this one. Um, but there's a really great spread right at the far, uh, beginning where it's like this giant statue um, and it has this great quote um, from Michael Moorcock, uh, The Weird of the White Wolf, which is a book that I uh, have not read. Um, there is no truth but that of eternal struggle. Hell yeah. Yep. Yep. Dope. And yeah. that, uh, just the, the whole way through as I was reading it, every time there was like another piece of character art or something, I was like, this couldn't be literally more perfect for this game. Yeah, I super agree. So. All right. So. Let's so do going it. in. Um, uh, I think we're we're jumping past this like opening forward, um, although I did read it and I did enjoy it. Uh, I was kind of just talking about um, Kobayashi's experience with like gaming and OSR and like what they liked about and what was lacking and where this kind of strikes. Um, but yeah, uh, we scroll down. Uh, where do you want to start, Ryan? You want to start with the big D for doomed princes. It's more just a, it's a nice little opening that really explains like what swords and sorcery is. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, both are really good to read once. Um, right. And it's cool that yeah. they happen. It basically says, like, I'm from the 70s. I remember when when the first time this batch of game styles came through and then there's a revolution trying to go back to it, kind of. Um, and this is what I wanted uh, knowing both. Um, and and that's about what it was. Yeah. So. Another great piece um, of art after that. Mm-hmm. 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 Skull. And then uh, the mm-hmm. table of contents, um, which is oh. interesting. Uh, the numbers are hyperlinked, but the words aren't, which is like, oh, which is fine. Yeah, I'm just like, I went to go click on the word rules, and I'm like, oh, and then I hit 12. I'm like, oh, okay, that one works. So yeah, that's fine. I mean, people do that a bunch. That's fine. Yeah, it's, fine. it's cool. It's cool just doing the words on the hyperlink. Do we got bookmarks on this um, on this sob as well? Yes, we do. Bookmarks. They do hyperlinks. And it's a lot of hyperlinks too. Like everything that yeah. could be really is. Like the names of everybody on the um on the 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 page that has the names for right. everybody, like written by art by, they're all hyperlinked. Um and and even in, as you go down line hyperlinks as well. Oh yeah, yeah. The websites are all hyperlinked, like you just said. Like it, it references page art, and every single one of those are hyperlinked. I mean, when you got the downloads for this, there was an HD version, and it says an interactive version, which is what I was using because I was like, well, of course that yeah. means it's hyperlinked and stuff. Couldn't ask for, could not ask for more from like a pretty standard um, book. Again, like anything beyond this is going above and beyond um having everything possible hyperlinked and bookmarks is about as much as you can ask for this is like one of those projects we're gonna go through where it's just such a quality project all the way through written really well art's amazing um Mm -hmm. and again like even stuff like that uh this next piece of art is a fantastic piece of art i love this like very pale all-white character with this like crass on that's like uh, chameleon colored almost you know i'm talking Mm -hmm. about like, yeah, it's almost got like an oil slick yeah, color to totally. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Very, very Elric. Um, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And then uh-huh. we get them rules. Um, yeah, rules. Um, so, uh, turns. Uh, this really explains how turns work. Um, we've all taken turns before. Uh, yeah, make sure everyone at the table gets a turn. Is essentially the crux of this. Um, one turn is two actions. Um, so... You get two actions every turn to make sure that no one hogs the spotlight. Um, doing a thing is an action. So they have some really good examples here. I want to do some shopping, and this is like out of combat turns, um, or I'd like to do some research. Um, and this helps prioritize uh, what the character wants or needs to do. Um, if you're playing online, it says it's a lifesaver as it avoids car- players cutting each other off. Uh, and I, honestly, I read this, and I have since because I genuinely have not been doing this till now. And if you are listening to this a lot and you think I know a lot, you're wrong. Um, I let outside of combat be, be very free form, but since going mm-hmm. through this, I've been like, you know, I'm going to start running outside of combat as turns as well. And let me tell you, it is like, like lightened up my table a lot. No one's cutting each other oh. off. I'm like, okay, you guys do that. And then you, for, for so long, I've had tables that worked so well together, but now since I have a lot of newer players, I'm like, oh, that's the thing I should instill. You know, like everyone goes around the table and has their turn, you know? But yeah, yeah. I, I I haven't been doing that, so. Yeah, no, it's great. A lot of games kind of reference those um, options where it's like an exploration turn as opposed like the vanilla game does it. Um, yeah. Oh, and, I read uh, it every, every time I read it, I'm like, that's a good idea, and I never did it. And it's not yeah. that this is any different. I just was like, oh, I should actually do that. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a good idea. Um, and I love the way that this one 
really does it is like there are some games we've read like um i think even like the vanilla game and derf and, and electromarchive and stuff where it's like an outside of uh combat turn is 10 minutes here's a specific yeah. amount of time maybe and, and that's one, the difference because i don't think it really says anything like no, that it specifically no? says like it very specifically says a turn is as much time as you need for it to take and can vary depending on what you're doing. So if yeah. you're just trying to go run an errand or whatever, a turn is 10 minutes. But if you as a group want to go shopping, a turn is like half of a day. Just whatever right. it is that you're trying to accomplish, that is the amount of time the GM has decided is your turn. And tell me how much time, what you're all doing in that amount of time. Maybe that's why I, when I read it, I was like, man, I should really start doing that. And I feel like it feels more free to have like, I don't, I don't like it. It's like, it's exactly this much time. It's like, okay, well, fuck it. I'm not going to, that's not how my brain works. So I'm not yeah. going to use that. Uh, but yeah, I do. So, the other thing I really like about this too is like turns always broke my brain when it's like very specific, because if you say a turn is 10 minutes outside of combat, what do you call the next person's like go in combat? yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a turn it's a, it's a turn and it's hard it's a hard not to but when there's a capital t for a specific amount of time and then you have like a lowercase t for a completely different thing it's kind of you know whatever and then the one one quick thing i want to say about the layout i love all the way through first of all how many examples there are but this kind of like it's a parchment background but there's kind of this like very like slight reddish kind of faded right. box over and it literally says, what does this mean? Here's some example. This is what it is. It's like these little explainers the whole way through as you go immediately. Like, yeah, it guides the eye too to those little red boxes. Well, and also they're not like it's it's interesting. Um, because I was working on something a while ago and I was putting boxes on a page, and it was like a web design thing, and I was like, this looks ugly. But now I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh, like having these boxes start on one side and like very quickly fade out is still incredibly yeah. effective for drawing the eye, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's and it just it's subtle in a way that doesn't say here's a giant outline Look. box <laughs> yeah. like that yes yeah. which which sometimes <clears throat> is fantastic when we read like dead halt and stuff like that when something yeah. was really important everything was white and those boxes were in black i love the subtlety of this also partially because there's someone like every fucking page there's so yeah. many little examples and explainers on every page it's nice that it's subtle and you can just kind of cruise with it Cool. Yeah, I super anyway, agree. So turns. Yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> so that's how turns work. I mean, we're 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 yeah. good with turns. We all understand. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't understand, you can buy the book, um, and you can mm -hmm. read it again. So um, attribute test. So like everything that incurs failure is a test, um, and this is a sane and right system that uses d twenty roll under the superior system. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, you pick an attribute. Uh, or the, the game master picks an attribute, um, and the player character rolls under um, that attribute score. Uh, roll on or over uh, is uh, fail or succeed at a cost, which I thought was really interesting because I love the whole nothing never happens. Um, so, yeah, roll under the attribute, uh, the character succeeds. Uh, roll on or over is fails or succeeds at a cost. Um, and there's a good little example of what, uh, is succeeding at a cost. Um, this is meant as a way to avoid a game song simply because of a failed role. Here are a few examples tied to specific situations. Stealth's a really good one. It's like you need you make it through, but you leave something behind. Um, study, uh, you find information um, you seek, but uh, you gain unwanted um, attention. Um, but yeah, I really like this. There's a lot of instances where, what what's that face? Tell me. 
I, I do enjoy this because you know me. I'm a make success guy. You know, right. you're a D20 roll under, I'm 2D6. Um, I, I like this, but I do also feel like this puts a lot of impetus specifically onto the GM. I think that um, Himbos from uh, Max Lander did it uh -huh. better in that it actually quantified it to a number. Um, That's right. I did quantify. What was that number? I cannot remember. Now. It was it, there. Was, it, it's different based on like what the number is. It depended on how much of a window you had for a, a, a non-failure. Because here it basically just says like a fail roll, something happens. But like, is it when you fail by? It's a d20 system. So if you roll, what if you roll like a 19 versus rolling like right on the number it doesn't really quantify it and that's fine because this is the kind of game where you don't have to quantify everything right um, but the way himbos did it was so was the exact same thing but was so clean and yeah. easy that i would probably bring that system into this just to make it a little bit cleaner yeah i think it's a really good point um i like that this is in here um because it gives the like I, there's a lot, not as much in like maybe the OSR scene, but like if you ever change games, um, and this is like a six stat D20 game, so it's, it's an easy one to pick up if you may be playing a more popular shitty game. Um, but I think instilling the whole like, hey, failure doesn't mean nothing happens is like a good thing, or giving them the option of like succeeding at a cost if like if they make a doom roll, um, which yeah. we'll uh, get to. But yeah, um, I like it. Um, no, it's it's fantastic that it's in here. I, Ryan, I, I, I like it. Okay, stop stop shaming me for it, dude. Bro, listen. <laughs> um, yeah. So critical success uh, and failure, uh, no matter what the circumstances are. Uh, roll one is a uh, critical success. Twenty is critical failure. Uh, for attack rolls, critical success means the character does maximum damage and adds a damage die. Shout out that um, because that is the superior way to do it. Um, and uh, whatever the roll, a critical failure means that you have to roll your doom die immediately, um, which is a usage die that we will get to. Um, threat level. Ryan, what do you think about threat level? Uh, like threat level midnight? Good movie. So um, threat level. Uh, so in this game, um, when a roll affects an NPC or creature um, and their level is higher than the character's level, the player must add the level difference to the role thus making the role harder i dig it i dig it i dig it basically it makes it's it's hard enemies are are harder um yeah i mean that's but are the same hard enemy is easier as you get better it's it's a cool quick little I love I love tiny subsystems like this. Is exactly what we were just talking about with the attribute test. I think this is such yeah. a cool little. Well, you're level three and they're level four. So like when every roll you do, you add one because you want to roll under. It's great, yeah. clean, love it. Yep. Yeah, and the um, enemies are really really very simple. Um, mm -hmm. How they're built in this game. So this is a cool little thing. It's like oh yeah, this is how they're more difficult when in a roll yeah. under system. That's all player facing rolls. So. Yeah. Well, and it, it allows a lot of really interesting um, balance-ish kind of stuff without having to remake every fucking enemy. You don't have to, like, yeah. make a bad guy and then make, like, the the leader bad guy and then make, like, the boss bad guy. You can just make a bad guy, and as the when the players are low level, it's more difficult, and as they get higher level, they, they, they kind of get up to the point where that becomes not difficult anymore. So I, I think this makes... Um, I have a feeling that this makes character, like a, a monster creation, exponentially easier by not yeah. having to find those middle spots. 
monster creation does seem incredibly uh, easy in this game. Um, yeah. Um, so group tests um, in the group effort. Um, if half the characters succeed at their attribute test, the whole group does. This is a great uh, thing that we do at my table that is never like I don't really ever quantify anywhere, but it's great to have it in here. Like, hey, if you're all trying at a thing, if half of you succeed, you do you do the thing. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's in here. Um, yeah. Love it. And then advantage and disadvantage, um, you know, it works like advantage and disadvantage. Uh, two dice pick the higher or two dice pick the lower. Mm-hmm. Um, I think but there's a does... note uh, that's actually interesting. It's that advantage and disadvantage can um, apply to all die rolls. And this is in- this includes usage die, um, mm-hmm. which I'm like, oh, that's kind of that's actually kind of brutal. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, but what uh, what is a usage die for those that haven't? We've talked oh, about it on the on the game before. Usage die? What is a usage die? I think this is maybe one of my favorite mechanics. Um, so a usage die is uh, I'll, I'll read their their uh, their explanation. Um, some things the games are represented by a usage die that's UD uh, to model the fact that they are available in limited quantities. Um, in Black Sword Hack. We like to use this mechanic to represent mostly abstract resources such as influence, debt. Um, the usage die should be seen as a push your luck mechanic. Uh, it can grant you some advantages, but it also can blow up in your face in the worst possible moment. Some games use this mechanic to con- uh, to manage concrete resources like rations or arrows. Not so in Black Sword Hack, except when I play it because I will still use usage die for that. Um, but yeah, um, when the resource is used, you roll the usage die. A result of one or two means the usage die is downgraded to the next smallest die size. So usage die 20 goes to 12, 12 goes to 10, 10 to 8, 8 to 6, 6 to 4, um, and then it's depleted. Um, and so it's a nice way to track um, something that might diminish over time. Like I use it a lot for like poison or fire or something like that, like damage, where it's like, yeah, you have a usage die 6 uh, poison. Good luck um yeah yeah usage die are one of my favorite mechanics yeah. that i that i just don't use like at oh all. really i totally yeah. use them i don't know why i don't use them i think that's incredibly clever when systems i mean this game clearly loves usage die loves the shit out of it i yeah, think this it one really, fallen, it doesn't really like them <laughs> yeah this one does and then fallen makes it like their entire core mm-hmm. thing is usage die i think it's so incredibly clever i think it's smart i just don't use it like i i use numbers or clocks yeah um and then that's what it, i just find it easier in my brain for whatever reason to just visually see the thing all the time um but it's a great mechanic to use yeah, I use a lot. I will say, uh, unlike it says here, when it comes to any resources, like it says, like oh, it's easy to track twenty arrows. Uh, they're not doing that, bro. I'm gonna give them usage die ten uh, arrows, and when they run out of those, they're you know it'll diminish naturally. You know, you know what I do with uh, with arrows. Um, uh, I think I think um, it's either in or inspired by cyborg. I love um, if you shot oh, a bunch of arrows in combat, roll a roll D6. You roll at the end of combat. Yeah, if you roll a one, you got one arrow left. And if you don't, <laughs> you got plenty of fucking arrows because, you, because you're able to gather up the arrows, you're able to do whatever. Like, you got plenty of fucking arrows. And I also love the idea of, like, 
in the midst of combat, you're just fucking ripping arrows. You have no idea how many you grabbed, what was going on around you, any of that shit. So when suddenly combat's over, you look down in your quiver and there's only one left. You're like, well, fuck me, you know? Um, so that is yeah, a really, that, really great way to track ammo, actually. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's usage. Uh, yep. Solid examples when you need them. Um, there's examples on damn near every page. Um, yeah, and distances. Uh, so it's a really easy uh, distance. It, it's close, nearby, far, uh, and distant. Uh, moving one range requires one move. Uh, depending on the length of a turn, uh, the actual distance covered by the characters will vary. For example, and they have a combat example, essentially, like, you know, close, nearby, far. I mean, like, I'm a big fan of, like, you know, you can move nearby. You can move across a room, you know, mm -hmm. in a single turn. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. 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 I, I like I like when so it does give a section for like if you want to do it as squares, but I also like the idea of just like yeah, I do like that they have squares in here. Yeah, rough estimates, but just I, I like that it's a little just a smidge abstracted, like it's a little smudgy. You know what I mean? Like just a little smudgy on the edges, and I like that. Yeah, I do also like that. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, moving forward, there's more stuff on distances and turns absolutely check that out uh perception here's a fantastic part right here um when characters are actively looking for something they find it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like it's like it's it's continuously one of my biggest complaints about more popular games um yeah if the time uh, if the time taken to find it is a factor ask for an intelligence test if they're on the or if they're on the clock and they only have moments to find something that's like a risk of failure thing right but if i'm looking for a letter in a desk i'm gonna look in the desk and i either find it or i don't if i'm yeah. maybe being chased by the guards and i need to look really quickly that's a great time to make a test but mm -hmm. if i'm looking i'll find it yeah that's what I, we this exact example has come up numerous times on the show it literally yeah. is just like if, if i say i'm gonna toss a fucking room i'm tossing a fucking room yeah like i and mean if you I just go well, well roll, give me a 16 and it's just like bro I did a fucking scrub this place down. I didn't miss it. Like, you know, I think it comes up so much because it's just such a massive deficiency in other systems that it's immediately evident when you point out, point that out. You're like, Oh well, yeah. I, I think it, it's, it's more than a specific deficiency. I think it's a perfect example of how a game create a style in the people that run the game by the way the game is written because That's totally true because it, it it's common fucking the number of times i've played a, a game um and the like things that you shouldn't fucking roll for people are forcing you to roll for yeah. just because you're supposed to ask for rolls right without using fucking common sense it's just like I'm just going to do this thing. Like, I'm just going to, like, throw this thing out the window. And it's like, oh, okay, well, when you lean out the window to throw this thing, you trigger this and this and this. And it's just like, I mean, then I just won't do that. Like, it was, it's just a throwaway fun, like, like. You know action, my like, example, just, right? My favorite example. I was playing 5e with a group at the Rock Home Gym when I worked there. And my guy jumped from a tower next to a wall to look over the wall. And I had to roll for perception and I failed. And afterwards, uh, thank you for thank you for doing that. I almost typed that in actually just now. Um, uh, after like after the game, the GM was like, "Oh man, I really wanted you to see that." And I was like, "Well, then why did I roll for it?" 
Like, why did I incur failure? Like, if I looked with my eyes, I would have seen it, right? Like, and he's like, oh. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I don't think the guy plays D&D more. I think he plays like OSE or something because I was yeah. like, you should try other stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And again, um, it just comes down to uh, there's nothing in the rules. There's not necessarily anything specifically in the rules that says force people to always roll perception checks every time they open their eyes and look in a fucking direction. No, but it's the way the rules are written in like it in influences the way you think about them. You know? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Like the way in which because because 5e into this quick tangent the very first page says mm-hmm. like make this game whatever you want mix and match and all of co- no but 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 then make it what you want at your own table and then gives you all of these in- extraordinarily very specific very exclusionary rules to the point there's even a fucking twitter account where people like adjudicate exact specifics of every fucking rule so you can't just like oh do whatever you want the rules don't bind you and then give you a an entire like arguments about the rules (laughs) yeah the rules don't mean anything do whatever you want it's like listen here motherfucker i swear to god if you run (laughs) yeah right Right. My shield uh, does this. I can push before my action, not after my action. Eat listen, a fucking the way dick. the rules are written, if you interpret them like this. <laughs> yeah. So, so lear- uh, Doom. be very specific about the way that you write your rules, because how you write is how people interpret it. That uh, oh, That's the end of it. Absolutely. Um, also, shout out this slick-looking motherfucker at the bottom of this page. Under right? Reception. Um, I don't know what I feel like doing. Elric had a baby with Helsing, and like yeah. this is his boy. <laughs> you know? Yeah um uh so so doom doom's doom. dope um yeah. yeah doom is a very interesting uh, uh mechanic and i i do like it um i want to i want to use it um mm. and then i'll really like it more i think uh once they decide to go adventuring the characters bring the attention of law and chaos on them um the, this is represented by the doom die. Each time a character goes beyond their limits and tempts fate, they must roll their doom die. The forces of law and chaos can and will turn the tide one way or the other. The doom die is a usage die. When it is depleted, the character has brought doom upon themselves. In game terms, uh, the doom die is usually rolled when a character takes the same action twice during a combat roll, um, which I love because like, I hate when people do something twice, so... Making them do it again when they, or making them roll doom when they are like, well, I'm gonna try again. Okay, cool. Um, uses a gift that requires it, which we'll get to gifts a little bit later. Um, gets a critical failure on the attribute test. Um, the doom die returns to its maximum after the uh, character has taken a long rest. Um, players can choose to call on doom, roll doom, and subtract the result from the attribute test. The doom die is automatically downgraded. Uh, without rolling Uh, no doom die anymore you can't use actions that require it and once your doom die is depleted your character is considered dooms doomed and all of their attribute tests and damage rolls are made at disadvantage until they rest um Mm -hmm. like it nice and brutal i like the character player characters be able to like use it and burn it a little bit to like make something a little bit easier for themselves um yeah it's very cool I I really enjoy Doom. I love like and not specifically this mechanic, just in general. Um, and I think that having something like Doom in a sword and sorcery really reinforces that concept of just like weird 
like darkness that um, is really interesting. The only thing about this um, is it is a usage die. It is. Right. So, but I think it starts at, it's, I think it starts pretty low, right? It starts like it with doesn't six. Yeah. So it doesn't, I, w I do wish it, it said in the doom section that you start at a d6 i believe um, it it comes up when you're building your character yeah it's in character creation i wouldn't have minded it here so Fair. what um so it goes from like a d6 to a d4 to nothing and i, I like mm -hmm. that because you do get options pretty early um but your doom die can increase its numbers over time um uh, actually it can only increase once at max level to d8 and that's it it's interesting i think the only i have no problem with this except something in my brain goes you kind of do and i think it just is comes down to the usage die thing because again it's one of those mechanics that i love but i don't use because it just something about it doesn't settle in my brain as well as something else so i really have no critique of this i it think i like this i think i would get to the point of liking this a lot in practice yeah. um although mm. i might consider make changing it up so um, I might consider changing it up to where, like, maybe there is another way to increase your usage die other than just the leveling, because I think it's only at the 10th level that you get uh, UD up to D8. Uh, but point being, um, I would probably create another avenue for increasing uh, I don't Doom. Know. UD uh, my, maybe. My, I'd play it native for quite a while before I make that call, though. My, I was thinking literally the exact opposite, where I was like, you get a lot of Doom. I, I, would, I feel like I would reduce it. A D6 does not last that long, especially if your player character calls on their Doom die one time of their choice, it immediately goes down to a four. Re, re, that's that. But it, every long rest, it completely regenerates all the way to full. That's the part that bugs me. Every long rest, it completely regenerates. I would almost I, make I, it I, even more brutal and say that you have to roll a die to see if it recharges only to D4 or recharges up to maximum. So that could be a cool custom rule. I just like, I've been using usage die a lot in the past several weeks in my my Bastards game. It's honestly such a, I've customized the game so much. It's still Bastards, but also. Um, and like D6 really either lasts quite a bit or almost not at all. Um, so that's doing, I, baby. I, I think, and I think that's good for it though. I, I would worry about making it any, any more like grittier. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, so. I mean, it's 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 an expendable resource. It's not necessarily, um, uh, like necessary in the game, right? Yeah. If you, if you were down to one, you could continue the game forever, never using one. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, except if you have um, like a gift that requires you. It, it kind of like if you get locked out of using your gifts, it kind of sucks. Um, yeah. That's true. But I mean, I, at the end of the day, since you want more and I want less, I feel like maybe this is perfect right here. It's probably perfect, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So combat. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So this this pretty game standard. has combat. It's pretty. Yeah. It's fairly standard, and that is not me saying anything bad about it. I like nope. this a lot. I will say yep. it is all player facing rules. Um, yep. uh, so there's an initiative test, which I believe is a wisdom test. Um. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it tells you what you can do um, on your turn. Oop. The crits, the crits on your initiative are fucking cool, though. 
Oh, that's right. A critical success on an initiative roll means you get three actions instead of two at your first turn, which is, in fact, very cool. Critical failure on initiative test roll means you only get one action uh, instead, of, instead of two, which is also very cool. Uh, I, I agree. I think that's a cool little add-on there because um, how often do you have crit success rules? Um, not super often. On an on initiative, yeah. On initiative. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's talked about what you can do on your turn, um, which, you know, just keep in mind that if you do the same thing twice, you got to roll doom. Um, melee mm. attack, you make strength test. Range attack is dex. On a success, you deal your damage die. Critical, su critical success, and I, I glossed over this earlier, but you and I have had this conversation before. Rolling double dice for critical success Stupid. sucks. Stupid. Taking max damage and then rolling another die, yep. fantastic. It's one of the like, very... When I, when I started playing 5e as... Because I, I, 5e was my first role-playing game. Um, it is one of the very first things before I even knew what homebrewing was. I was like, that's dumb, let's do this instead. Yeah. Um it's so intuitive. Really lower, like I could roll a two, you know? Like you roll a, a two. That's yeah. stupid. You should never be able to roll <laughs> so, less than what you could roll like, as a non-critical success. To me. I've yeah. done that. I've hit a yeah, crit same. and been like, fuck yeah, and then rolled like two, like a one and a two. And I'm like, okay, well, I did critical damage three. Uh, I guess yeah. I'll go fuck myself um yep. yeah very cool um and then defending um so yeah um it's player facing um it doesn't account though defending does not count against your actions which i think to us is obvious but it's always good to have it in here um mm -hmm. there's parrying which is a strength text uh test and dodging which is a uh dex test uh note the character must be holding something to be able to parry uh ranged attacks can only be dodged Yep, that's a thing. I, I mean, I don't see why don't... you wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't see why that's necessary because, I mean, so so when we get to shields, which we can just talk about real quick right now, shields doesn't give you more armor. It no, gives you advantage in parrying, right? I'm parrying, yeah. yeah. But, but if someone's shooting a bow at me and I can see them drawing back, I would put my shield up. Because yeah, I feel like I can hide behind my shield easier than I can roll out of the way of an arrow. Um, I mean, it's whatever. I think it just comes down to making sure that, um, like, a ranged weapon is a dex test. So the ability to dodge it is a dex test. I think it's just like a, a cleanliness that they they enjoyed in the rules. But I would I would allow yeah. people to parry parry ranged. Um, especially and even if you wanted to tweak it a little bit if you if you are looking in the direction of the attacker that's firing an arrow at you you can parry it maybe something like that if you really wanted to make it something specific but i see no reason why you can quote unquote parry a a ranged yeah i think that i once again i think anything that i'm questioning about this game i really do like this game a lot i would play like native as written and then maybe go back later on and be like how do i really feel about this but that yeah. one that rule i, I was like Hmm. Okay. Same. Um, Same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, threat level. Threat level's back. Uh, if an opponent's level is higher than the character's level, uh, yeah, you're going to add uh, the difference between two levels to the D20 when making any attribute test to attack. Um, if the character's level is higher, though, there's no modifier, which I think that is fantastic and hilarious. It's like, you're <laughs> if they're better than you, you're worse. But if you're better than them, you're just you. And I'm like, perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really genuinely am okay with that, but I do think that that is a funny uh, standard. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, weapons and damage, the characters are uh, trained fighters. The damage they cause with any weapons is the same. It's a D6. Their unarmed is 1D4, which I like. Um, I like a lot of times we do like one um a, one damage for unarmed attack, but I like having a D4 because I like them to have the options. Like, yeah, bro, you can just beat the shit out of some commoner with your hands. Yeah. Um I mean, and realistically, when you look at I mean damage can fuck people up, right? Like if I yeah. swing a sword at you, I'm gonna cut you. But I mean, I could punch you in the fucking face a whole lot and kill you too. I mean not even a whole lot. Like, you know, like really if you go get in a fight with a dude, one good hit or two good hits might accidentally kill this person. Um, yeah. or even just knock him out. Like there's plenty of, there's plenty of videos you can watch on the internet where someone gets sucker punched and is just on the ground. Totally. Out. Um, so, so I, I it. do I like, like variable damage for, um, for, uh, unarmed. We've just had a lot recently. that were just like, Oh, it's just one damage for unarmed. I like, mm. yeah, I think, um, I think that makes a lot more sense in the context of like if there are more damage options. Like yeah. if you have if you have uh, weapons that do D8 and D10 and like all the rest of that, and you really want to like do it different. But the fact that this is pretty much like swing whatever fucking weapon, who cares, or swing your fist, like go for it. I love. I I really enjoy this. I mean, I I like systems that have just like everything is one unless it's uh, like some massive two-handed weapon and then sometimes it does two. And like, I yeah. love that. So this kind of feels the same considering the average of a D2 is like, or D4 is like two and the average of a D6 is like three. I mean, it's pretty much swing away if you want. So yeah, I, I, I re when I read this, I was like, I really fucking love that. So. Uh, yeah. So uh, armor's on here too. Um, it's damage soak. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, dope, dope great, fucking great oh, piece of art. Such a good so piece good. right here. The one red eye, like, like the yeah, yeah, very cool. Almost um, skeletal, but like there is like still flesh because it's got that beefy arm. Yeah, but yeah, oh, so good. And just just the cultural aspects of the armor itself are so fucking like sword and sorcery. So good with yeah, this like totally kind of like weird headpiece thing with these two almost like dragon situations with this like rusted out patinaed armor on him Ugh. and this sword that comes up over and over and over again the, this specific sword with like this um crossbar and everything love it yeah very cool um yeah so shields we just talked about talked about um yeah they just give you uh advantage on your defense test when parrying um, Did you see what the last line of that specifically says? At the GM's discretion, they may let you use your strength to defend against arrows. <laughs> a critical failure means that, yeah, at that point, it's like, why even, you know? Specifically say that you can't, and then, and then, and like, then on the literally the next yeah, like page. Yeah, eight lines later. Yeah. Like, there's just, there just wasn't really a reason not to put shields literally right under defending, as opposed to after threat level and weapons and damage. Yeah. Because you write a rule and then immediately contradict that rule like half a page later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of get it because it's shields and two end weapons and attack effects. Um, but yeah, point being. Um, two ended weapons, uh, you get advantage on damage, which is a great way to handle two handed weapons in a system that only has one damage die. Um, yeah. Um, and then attack effects. Uh, really cool little addition here. Um, if you want to add an effect to your attack, say so before uh, you make your attribute test. 
Uh, and then you make a doom roll. Um, and also NPCs uh, don't have access to this. Uh, yeah, and it's just a list of effects that you can cause to happen, like disarm. So you do, you do no damage, but the target's disarmed. Uh, brutal, you add the doom dies result to your damage. Um, yeah, I like this. Um, nice, easy way to dress up combat and make it a little more interesting. That's it, it, very smooth. Yeah, I I love this. This is one yeah. of my favorite mechanics in the entire game. This is a, a, a like a sub, like a sub um, system that I really enjoy a lot. And I, I really like that a lot of these aren't um, like a feat specific to a class or some bullshit. Like anybody can do any of these kind of like combat maneuvers just by tempting fate with their doom and stuff like that. I mean, and the, the options are crazy, like break, uh, uh, or not crazy. They're just like part of what should be part of combat. And I like it. There being a list of it too, because I feel like it, um, a lot of people in combat, their brain just kind of goes swing, sword, hit, swing, sword, hit. This will allow a lot of variance in the way that combat works adds a little more story to the combat by making these like very simple quick little rules like a sacrifice inflict double damage or triple on a crit but your weapon breaks like there's some like cool choice bits in it they're super clean everyone is like one line long but there's what one two three four five six seven eight there's 10 fucking options that anyone can do anytime they really want to spice like it up add your own too you know oh, add yeah. some more to the list and yeah they all fit i do love sacrifice that's actually maybe my favorite one because it feels really oh. epic you know um mm -hmm. yeah. imagine critting on sacrifice you shatter your sword and you just fucking demolish them <laughs> right especially the bbg yeah. like this is statistically it's going to happen at some point where someone chooses to blow their weapon apart to get the final kill on something when half their people are already down the the options here and the the way that you they make it feels like combat will be much more narratively interesting with these options to the point that these I, I would love to use this system in like pretty much fucking everything. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I super agree. Uh, it's really easy to slide in most places. Um, yeah. Um, ongoing damage. Uh, oh, this is exactly I use this a lot um, in my own game. Um, things like acid, poison or fire deal ongoing damage. Um, so you roll a usage die, usually UD four or six at each turn. Uh, until the die is depleted, there should always be ways to stop damage like jumping in water or douse the flame or apply anti-venom uh, anti ungent. Um, yeah, but super cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, someone in the chat just asked, how would you use that with magical weapons? I mean, I think it depends on the setting because if you're coming from 5e where like magical weapons are literally fucking um unbreakable i think then that sucks i guess they don't break and you can't use break but in i feel like in most settings there's no reason that magical weapons aren't unbreakable like i feel right. like if you want to break your magical weapon that sucks for you um and, and there I don't, are I, there are magic weapons in this game but there's only supposed to be like two in the whole world you yeah. know they're that's the thing in this system and weird sword and sorcery like magic is dark and weird and uncommon and yes like a lot of the times you're just coming across like decadent societies and like mm -hmm. pirates and like maybe some weird magic but like a lot yeah. of like swords and sorcery it's like yeah he's a weird sorcerer he can summon this one monster yeah. and it's kind of like the apex of like his thing you know yeah 
but i mean this is this is just a like an attack effect this isn't like a class feature or anything like that but if someone has a magical weapon that they are willing to risk um sacrificing i would probably give them like a little bit of an added effect depending on the what the weapon was i, like, I agree yeah, if, it, if it's like a flame sword or something like that, I'd probably give them like a bonus D4 or something of like explosion damage or some shit because you're sacrificing a magical weapon to do it. Give advantage, just something that gives them a little bit bonus because the the cost of what you're sacrificing is more, so the effect should be greater. Yeah, that's about, I that's agree about with what that. I yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd base it on the scenario. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you do a, you're doing a UD8 like crazy damage over time. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, hit points. Uh, yeah, when a monster or NPC's hit points reach zero, they're dead. Um, mm. At zero hit points, a character is helpless, unable to do anything except talk feebly. Fantastic. Love that they can talk feebly. Um, once the fight is over, the character is dragged to a safe place. Uh, a player rolls D6. Um, D6 gets you anything from scratch. Good to go, except, you know, new scar. Um, or uh, just killed, you know? Um, yeah. I love this. You, yeah. What's up? I love it. I think it's great. Oh, it's so easy, so good. Um, this is as much as I want a death saving roll. This is as deep as I want that to go. Um, yeah, and 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 one through five because you roll a d six. One through five, um, you just get d four HP back and get up and keep going. Like unless you die, you just get these cool effects to the rest of your life. But otherwise. You're just good to go. It's not It's not like pieced individually because you could make this a whole fucking page long where at one, you get one, one HP back and two, you get this HP back. Like it, much like many of the subsystems in this, it's I feel like it's incredibly clean and gets you get, keeps the game moving forward. Yeah, there's yeah, I think this is very good with that. Um, yeah, uh, recovery. Um, I, <laughs> I kind of like this like in game narrative. As soon as uh, they opted for a life of violence, characters have shown an unnatural capacity to heal. Um, in game turns, it simply means that players recover HP by taking a short or long rest. Everyone else needs medical attention in several weeks. Um, so short rest can be taken anywhere last an hour, and the character recovers a number of hit points equal to half their uh, con score rounded down. Long rest can only be taken somewhere safe. It takes about six hours, uh, and they get all their hit points back, Their doom and their doom dice fully restored. Um, and some backgrounds and gifts may require a long rest to refresh. Um, I actually really like this because, like, you know, in the in like the old Conan stories, like he's always bouncing back from a horrible injury, like immediately. And you're like, what the fuck? Uh, so I kind of like mm. it. I always thought it was ridiculous. And I kind of like that this is like same ridiculousness. Like, yeah, you're here. Well, swords of sorcery. I mean, it also it also lets I mean, it almost is like a, I feel like this is almost an inside joke for like how all systems work in healing, where it's just <laughs> like you were literally maimed and tortured and died like four times in combat. But take a quick nap and you're chilling. <laughs> I love that. This is basically like well, you chose violence. So guess what? Like people think it's weird that you heal so fast. I, I love <laughs> it. I feel like this is so tongue in cheek and it get, brings me so much joy. Like I want to use this in other shit where I'm just like, well, you guys all became adventurers. So now like. You grow your arms back and shit. Like I, I just love how tiny cheek it is. Yeah, so good. <laughs> yeah, your arms come back. Right. Very funny. Uh, there's a combat yeah. example on here. Very solid example. It's um, great. Fantastic, really. Um, and then uh, we get to my favorite part of anything at any point in time, which is character creation. I'm a character creation boy. This is how I learn every system. I was like, I'm gonna start with this. So this is where I actually started. This book was right here. Um, 
yeah. Creating a character is a three-step process. The player rolls their character attributes, picks an origin, and finally chooses a background, which I feel like is actually more than three steps, uh, but it's essentially three steps, right? Roughly, um, I yeah. will say that this is a six-stat system, mm -hmm. um, which is a lot of stats, and I don't know why, but I kind of like it here. Um, so... I mean, it makes sense in the context of like, like why? I mean, the black hack is 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 six stats. Um, yeah. So this is going to be, and I like, and the, if you if you again read that forward in the beginning, that basically says I lived through when games were being created. Um, so, like, if I'm going to do the actual old school mixed with the OSR. I'm going to keep it to what the game is. The only real difference really is that D20 roll under, which fuck. Can you imagine if someone told people in the seventies to do that instead, how many pages of rules you wouldn't fucking need for like modifiers and all the rest oh, of that yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 I think it's why like, I really do like a D20 um, and I like the math about it. And so I really do like this whole, like, yeah, you can still use a D20 and just get rid of all this like crazy, like modifiers and DC building. Um, like, no, it's just this. And you're like, Oh, perfect. Um, yeah, so six stats. There's strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. I'm not explaining those. Uh <laughs> I like I like I do like how it's explained here though. Like specifically oh, like that is very strength. fair. It is explained yeah. really well. It's like strength, STR, raw physical power, mm -hmm. use strength to, and then gives us an example. Bash skulls, parry, perform pizza bronze. Like every yeah. single one of them has like use dex to, use con win. Like I really like how it's a really nice it's not just, it doesn't just say, you know, like persuasion, this, that, or whatever. It specifically says use it to do this, these specific tasks instead of just yeah. like broad random definition. So it, it, once again, I just think the book is just so well done beginning to end. It is incredibly well done. Um, yeah. And rolling attributes. So here is a great way to roll attributes. And like, I'm going to be really honest with you. I haven't really read Black Hack. Um, so I don't know if this is a Black Hack origin, but... So you roll 2d6. Yeah, point to it, Ryan. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you roll 2d6 uh, for each attribute, and you know it's score. So instead of rolling, like, usually, like, you roll in a lot of d20 rolls, you roll 3d6, and that's your stat. Instead here, you roll the number, and it tells you what the score is, which is really great because it limits it. It's only between 8 and 13, which is great because if you have somebody roll really high at the start, and they have a strength of 16, like, it kind of sucks because they're going to pass pretty much every single test, you know? But this, like, 13 is still pretty good, um, but it still leaves a good, air, like, margin of failure. Yeah. It's interesting um, to do it this way because most of the time we see D20 roll under, you just roll your score, and that's what you roll under. This, to me... Am I wrong? Am I reading this no, incorrectly? Just, that's exactly what I just said, though. But this isn't that. <laughs> no, I know. But before that, I was like, yeah, usually when we see D20 roll under, it's 3D6, and that's just your score. <laughs> oh, yeah. My brain would just not was not there. I don't. But you said you liked this. I do like this. I do. I, I don't know if I like this or not. You because don't like this... it because you don't like when you have to roll for a stat and then figure out what the modifier is. and it's Literally pick exactly what don't we like don't it. like. I, it's yeah. not that we don't like that. I, we literally just cracked a joke about being like, man, if people back in the day, we could get rid of all these rules, we have to roll a number to get a different number instead of just using the number that you roll. I just think that this is a very simple and clean way to deal with a problem that I'm having a lot in a D20 roll under, which is that you can roll a 17 when you're making a character. 
you know that, we we just i either just read or or we just read uh one where you do like 2d6 plus something it's like 2d6 plus oh, three we did or read something, something. Like i that. did like that i also liked so yeah see again that's like when you're rolling a number to um derive another number so for example like the lowest you can possibly get is an eight i mean so then but it, but if you roll 3d6 the average of a six is a three the lowest the average is about a nine you know what i mean so like i don't know this isn't like it's super hard or anything because at the end of the day yeah. it's not like you're rolling a number to give you a different number that you then have to take that number to add to your numbers in the future to get right. to a different number so it's, it's <laughs> no, way cleaner just, than that yeah it's still way cleaner than that yeah so. it's instead of a four-step process it drops it down to a two-step process but when you have this number that's all you have to know so it's not like i hate it it's just like i feel like i feel like i don't know uh, maybe, maybe it is what you just said where like if you do roll 3d6 and it's super high like you know I, I i it is interesting that it just goes up to a 13 i don't know i don't know i don't know this is one i, I want to play a, a whole really bunch nice, it's a really nice yeah. way to wrangle the numbers in a uh in a range where you're not too bad or you're not too good um, yeah i don't if, if, if that's the goal i think this does it extremely well so yeah, yeah. um yeah uh and then we have uh the next page of art which is another four great um character art pieces there's so many good ones um yeah oh, yeah. yeah some really great ones uh and then we get down to uh origin so this is step two with picking your origin right um yeah. This is cool um, because, uh, you know, it doesn't uh, it kind of matters later on, but it kind of gives you like an idea of where your character comes from. Um, you basically roll on these origin tables. There's three different like major overarching origins. There is the barbarian, uh, the civilized origin and the decadent origin. Um, so you're going to pick one of the following origins for your character um, of the three I just said. Uh, we use these words loosely uh, the way they were in the pulp novels, like a barbarian, like is not just like a person from nowhere. It's just like a hero with certain values um, that might easily succumb to violence and superstition. Um, a character coming from a civilized culture can cherish knowledge and progress, but also be quick to deem others inferior or primitive. Um, decadent adventurers come from doomed societies, which can make them gloomy and miserable or carefree, just happy to survive another day. Um, it's meant to be more of like a jumping off point um, for how you imagine your character um, and not like a way to create a new cliche. So there's D20 tables. Uh, Ryan, you want to you make a character? Yeah, I God, I love the origins. I think they're so good. Oh, it's such um, a clean way to do it. Yeah. And and this art, this like this redheaded person who is is blue. I just oh God, it's just more so good. Good stuff. We love a naked and blue then, man. And then the three the three origins too. Barbarian. What was the the um, civilized and then decadent? Oh, so yeah. fucking like. I love the way that it, um, but yeah, um, I got a uh, 15. So my for the um, barbarian, I guess we'll kind of make three ish characters. So on the night your clan, my character was born on the night my clan burned the empire's capital. Nice. Oh, that's a good one. There are really good ones here. So origin really, like you said in, in, in the description here, like it really just comes down to like a little bit of, 
of past like yeah the 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 ways that they use origin and background here are interesting to me but it, it's it's a neat little bit of of storytelling and and that's about that's about what it is so it's cool i like it what would you go with uh i have meta knowledge of the future um and so i uh i would pick decadent because i know what kind of character i want to build um yeah i mean decadent would be dope too you know i, I think i would uh pick decadent because i um Hold on. Because I really want to play like a magic assassin in this game. And I feel like saying I'm from like a decadent, like like actual decadent character background where you're from like a society, like the low school of like assassins, you know, like mm -hmm. that would be a decadent society. So yeah, I would, I would pick decadent, you know? Yeah. It's dope. Um, for civilized, I rolled up an 11, which would have been that I was born aboard a ship sent to find a new maritime route. Ooh. Um, and then if I roll decadent, um, I got a six. My decadent would be in a museum as part of the permanent exhibition. How would you define, like, what would you say the difference between barbarians, civilized, and decadent is? What makes decadent? Because barbarian we get. I think civilized we get. What 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 is decadent to you in this? Decadent is almost like the darker end of this. It's like the like a bottom end of like high society or magic society or like, you know, people who like maybe I, I don't like, I want to be like, Oh, they own slaves, but like that kind of shit. Like it's not a civilized world is the regular people. These are the people who are like, you know, they're, they're from a place that the culture is so alien or so wealthy that's turned dark and turned in on itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think dark, dark, weird, Again, just like everything else, I think I think decadent is the 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 distilled parts of this whole setting. You know what I mean? Like civilized is like is like merchants and military and all that. Barbarian is clearly barbarian, but decadent, like you just said, they have poppy fields or they're assassins or they're from a forbidden city. Yeah, they're we. I feel like it's law, chaos, and weird. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, they're weird. Bro, but I would, weird. I would pick. I would totally pick decadent too, but for the, for the context of this, I'm gonna go barbarian. Cool. And then backgrounds, right. backgrounds, uh, fuck tremendously. I love mm. this so much. This might be my favorite part. So when you're baking a character, you're gonna pick three backgrounds. Two are gonna be tied to your origin, and then one from any other list. You there's some that are labeled unique. Um, you cannot take two backgrounds described as unique. Um, they raise an attribute and they give you another thing. Um, it's a nice way to fill out a character, both mm -hmm. like mechanically and also like who they are narratively. Um, mm -hmm. And here's another one where it's like, if my player character was like, hey, I have an idea for a custom background, I would let them say it. Uh, I would let oh. them bring it back. You know, it gives you a thing and it gives you a plus one. Yeah, go yeah. off. Yeah. The only, the only thing I want more, because like you just said, backgrounds mm -hmm. fuck tremendously. Like they... I love how clean they are and exactly what you said, where it's not just mechanical bits, it's story bits for your character as well. So like if I picked like uh, for Barbarian, for example, you get things like Berserker, which is your unique, but Scout, Shaman, Storyteller, there's so much flavor in every single one of those. Like Civilized, Bodyguard, Legionnaire, Diplomat, Decadent, Changeling, Forbidden Knowledge, Snakeblood, Vicious. Like, they're so fucking good. The only thing I want more, and this would be a bonus, not a necessity, would be a little bit of 
um guidance and or like it like it written in permission to be right. like these aren't the only ones make make whatever you want and the this is how you do it quick give one attribute and one ability that doesn't break shit like just like a one line that said that i think would be the only thing i would wish there was like more to this it's just that like yeah written permission to like do more with it but they're so fucking cool like if i was going barbarian like doing like a like a shaman storyteller herbalist would be completely different than doing like a berserker chieftain hunter you know what I mean? Right. And it's so fucking good. And the, the individual abilities you give with it too, like Hunter, which is in every RPG ever, um, in combat, your first arrow always hits and you add your level to its damage plus dex. Like, it's great. That's such a so, good one. So good. Like, ugh. Anyway, and like you just said, it's also a way to... Um, uh, the fact that you get an attribute bonus to each one, like right off the bat is a really interesting way to like give slight progression right I mean, right yeah, yeah right you're, you're a little bit better at this yeah, yeah. um because because so you can really mine, just go fuck it strength 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 if you want and just say dope you I'm really a 16 could now. and just be like yeah you're yeah. just you're ultra powerful so okay so i picked decadent so i have assassin forbidden knowledge and i'm gonna take street urchin from civilized so assassin your first attack against an unwear target is an automatic hit and it deals damage equal to your dexterity score. If you have a dexterity score of 15, you do 15 damage off the bat. Um, That's dope. And let me tell you that a lot of times in other games when I've played as an assassin, they're just like, oh, you do a little bit of bonus damage. It's felt a little like it doesn't really hit. But this, because if I'm like stabbing someone in the back when they're unaware, it'll it's going to kill them. And like, frankly, if you're doing 15-ish damage to somebody, they're pretty, probably going to kill them. You know? not, yeah, do I completely forgot that you get to pick one that's not from your origin, right? Like, you do. oh god, it really makes this really yeah. well. I, I love this style of classless. Like, I, I yeah. there's games like I'm like I'm specifically thinking of things like Karen and stuff like that. I really enjoy Karen. I think Hoy Gall did a really fantastic job with Karen, but like. It, everybody's everything like it doesn't matter you can cast spells yes. you can do this you can do that it doesn't fucking like there's no i feel like i i i personally like a little bit more guidance in that and i feel like this is such a good way between rolling your choosing and rolling your origin and then getting to choose two backgrounds from your origin but then one from anywhere else gives you like a direction to your character but allows them to not be contained in like such a specific direction. Cause one of my biggest nods knocks on a lot of games is that you're so funneled into one specific thing. Like if you become a battle master, that is all you can fucking do. Yeah, I love absolutely. that this, that it, it's what like six to 10 different things you could pick two from based on your origin. And then literally like you could be like a chieftain scout assassin if you really wanted to um, as part of your barbarian origin. It's so fucking clean and smart and yeah, well done. It works like, incredibly well. Oh, so God, it's so good. I do wish there were more, but also they'd be so easy to make, you know, are there, are there, I mean, I, it's been a while since I read crier. Are there more in crier or is this mostly like adventures and stuff? In crier. Yeah, they're so fucking easy to make, though. Like, I can't believe there's not more Black Sword Hat content already. Like, this is the kind of shit I want to see more of. You know what I mean? I, like, am, I am curious to see more people. Like, I don't know why there isn't more content for this game, because I've kind of, I haven't been looking super hard, but I have kind of looked. Um, and, like, oh, man, I, could, I would play the shit out of anything. Let's um, start doing this shit. We are, we are going to start putting shit out. 
and it's gonna be for sh like let's fucking go but yeah just black they're sword so, access. they're so easy to make you know what i mean like yeah, that's what's really so good about it like you could i mean if people could make a thousand backgrounds for um for uh 5e on fucking uh um what's it called not drive through rpg the other one where they um dm's guild if you can make a thousand backgrounds for fucking 5e you could come up with five more fucking backgrounds for for a barbarian like they're the, the fact that they're so simple and just for more examples like um like pit fighter under decadent your unarmed damage is equal to your weapon damage and you get a plus to strength like there are so many rules that come up earlier in the system that the backgrounds can easily feed into that it just makes it a really interesting way to as we said already to really flavor your class to not pigeonhole them um and to give a lot of spread to how you want to play your character and what your character can do within the game I mean, the fact that, again, besides the three unique backgrounds, because Barbarian's unique one is Berserker. When you go Berserk, add a D6 to the damage you deal. The damage you receive is divided by two. Your rage stops when you roll a one on the D6. That's unique. That's the only thing that you can do um, for the... You can't take a second unique one. Um, in the Civilized one, the unique one is the Inventor. You know how to build two scientific marvels, um, and you get plus one to Int. And in the Decadent, the unique one is the Assassin. Your first attack against an unaware target is an automatic hit, as Hunter already said. So the, the ways in which you could easily make both unique and non-unique origin-specific backgrounds is limitless and simple and easy as i said like i would not mind a little bit more um guidance in those maybe in a separate document or, or whatnot um i i believe there is an srd and maybe i haven't read it deep enough but it's just really interesting but yeah so that's backgrounds what's after backgrounds um don't leave without um right. so hit points hit points total are equal to your uh your con score um doom here you go you start with a ud6 as uh, so a doom uh weapons and armor character starts with a d6 weapon damage and an, un an unarmed damage d4 uh starting equipment um and it gives you kind of coins for what you for what your <laughs> what your background gives you you know because barbarians don't have shit for money um for two weapon for your two weapons you can roll uh two d10s on the table on page 29 um just, what's up I said hyperlinks, baby. Hyperlinks. We, uh, got, yeah. we gotta make that hyperlink merch sometime soon, man. Oh, yeah, that's a I, that's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and then uh a result of a zero or ten means no weapon uh with that roll. Um yeah, and it's then languages. Mm -hmm. What's up? I said sucks to suck. Does suck to suck, but it would be funny to start with no weapons. Um mm -hmm. And uh, languages, all characters probably speak. Uh, Thurinian. Thurinian, there we go. Uh, and another language tied to their origin, discussed with GM. Um, yeah, there's that. I, I like, I like, I really enjoy systems like this. You know, I, I'm a lore boy. I like enough lore. I don't need a 500 page book, but I like a little bit. Right. And I really enjoy when systems step out of being an SRD a little bit and yeah. put flavor flavor into the system so like in the context of like the origins and the backgrounds and things like that i really enjoy that um and i really enjoy this little section that literally just 
talk it it's it gives you like a whole bit of world building in what amounts to maybe 20 words just by listing a language and just the origin of where that language came from emmerich is the caliphate that's it and automatically your brain goes oh get it okay cool jerka is the iron horde ergic is the northern raiders like so good to just have like what amounts to a quarter little page bit that just feels good and this character art is also dope as fuck i know this, this little, little guy yeah like aristocrat dwarf situation oh god gorn's art is just so fucking good dude really good um yeah and then we get into equipment um cost of living uh which i like so much uh, um at the beginning of each adventure characters lose a number of coins equal to their con uh, this represents their daily expenses between two adventures. If your characters couldn't or wouldn't pay, they could either have taken a job or a loan. And you get to roll on the table below to set up that job or loan. Um, and I love that. I think that's a, like a very great way to deal with like, <clears throat> yeah, in between adventures. Because I feel like this is meant to be played very much like an episodic swords and sorcery tale where it's like, yeah, where I... The uh, you know the the raid in the red desert and then like you know the, the city sleeping in amber like these named kind of adventures that you go mm -hmm. on um, that there's time in between it's like yeah it costs you to live in between oh yeah I just like this a lot I really did think this is clever so yeah I think it's great and again like the way that the the layout is done here where there's like the tables and there's little arrows pointing and stuff like that yeah it's just it like, looks great the, the detail. The attention to detail is just so well done throughout this entire fucking book that it just, I don't know. I don't know why there's just such a level of, of you can see when we've read books where someone really knows what they're doing and really like picks out all the tiny little things in very clever ways and people that are maybe like a little bit less experienced, I want to say in layout and stuff like that. And clearly uh, the Mushmen know what the fuck they're doing very true um yeah and then there's a great piece of art of this uh weapons armor dealer kind of showing off their wares you know uh -huh. love it love it um yeah and then price list um oh my god i love this so much it's such an easy way to do a price list too uh. a variable price list um yeah so some so it's variable right so it's, there's a d6 column a d6 times 10 column and a d6 times 100 column um, and there's a reason why, like, item prices would vary, which is why you think they would vary based on rarity mm -hmm. and scary. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it makes sense. I love this. Know? I love um, it. I love it so much. I love it so much. I, I don't yeah. remember who else did something similar to this. I, and I don't know whether it was Fleo, Red Giant, or Eyes Beyond the Torchlight or something like that. But, like, anyone again anyone that knows me knows that i complain a lot about things that i don't like and one of the things i fucking hate is like a three-page list of the difference in the cost between like a fucking marble and a fucking donkey i don't give a fuck like and it doesn't matter because if you really need a marble it's gonna cost a lot more than if you don't really need a fucking marble and so i i love that it breaks it down into this concept of like Simple shit, just roll this. Medium shit, roll this. A really expensive shit, roll that. And I don't need a fucking list for everything because all you have to tell me is, is it a 
a, a regular, a times 10 or a times 100. I'll roll it and then pay the fucking price for it. It's so clean and I love it so much. I was so happy when I read this page. I literally was, I literally was like, oh, like in a yeah, good it's way. It's a very easy, it's funny because so much of this game, like you just said about kind of the layout, about knowing how to put the game together, these little subsystems that we keep going over in this game, I'm just like, oh, this person knows how to fucking play a tabletop game because this is so clean. <laughs> it's so clean. Well, you know, one of the other games that we've already reviewed by Kobayashi was Flayo. Flayo. Yeah. And throughout the entire thing, yeah. we kept saying this is not a rules light game necessarily because it's it's it had some beef to it. There were a lot of subsystems. Yeah, but it was one a thing rules we medium kept, game. Yeah, but one thing we kept saying over and over and over again was it's rules medium because of the number of subsystems it has. But every <clears> individual <throat> subsystem is very clean and light. Was incredibly clean and light. Like yeah. I think it was the best gun mechanic we've ever reviewed um in i can't in quite system, remember it so. but I, might go, I was actually thinking about looking through it after we're done with this yeah. episode because i was like oh yeah they also did slam um yeah and you can so tell that it's kind of the same person just how clean how yeah. clean all of the systems are yeah they're really yeah i i'm i i've learned a lot about sus subsystems through reading two of their games um yeah. so yeah um poison and drugs um here a bunch of point i like this so here's a bunch of poisons herbs and drugs list according to their effects prices should vary between six times ten and six times a hundred depending on the context um yeah just gives you some 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 stuff you know hey, and you can I think it's your own a, stuff. yeah it's a great way to do it because it just gives you like four basically options like anesthetics hallucinations pain or weakness so like and and here's what what you have to do for each one, but then you can make a million of your own just based on that stimulation, death, healing, like really quick, easy ways to just give you super basic things that you could you could write a whole book of poisons based on this half. Of exactly. Page. I think I was about to say I think the point of this and the the the, the strength of this is the context it gives you for making those mm -hmm. decisions yourself. Um, which I love. I don't want a game to hold my hand through every single thing. And this game is a great example of like, here's context for decision-making. Here's a couple of examples. Whatever you do after this is like, that's yeah. your table. Um, I think one, one thing you just said is perfect about this is like, there are times <laughs> where your hand needs to be held a little bit. And then times where it, you can just let someone wander. And it's such a great way. There's so many games that like, in my brain just went to like a million analogies, but I feel like it's those people that put their kids on a leash. Um, and I love that this is one that like will will kind of hold your hand a little bit through some of the like the the gritty like kind of rules parts and otherwise just keeps an eye on you. You know, it, it that was a great analogy. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, yeah. So then we have the weapons table, which is the one on twenty nine that you roll on based on your background. Uh, very cool. Uh, has a little note for two handed weapons, which give advantage of damage die. Um, and then there's armor and shield. Um, suits of armors come with protection rating. Uh, this number is subtracted from most uh, damage the character receives in combat because there is some some damage that ignores armor, um, which seems fairly obvious, right? Um, mm -hmm. Weirdly enough, metal armor is not great at, start, at stopping fire. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, once again, great examples. Uh, and you can just expand on those as needed. But yeah, so moving on to experience. Um, each time a character survives an adventure, they gain a story. Write down the title of the adventure on your character sheet, or you can make one up. Uh, I will name every adventure playing this game because it's very classic swords and sorcery. Uh, the Black God's Kiss, uh, Dusk and Zuthal, you know, like very classic 
um yeah but characters gain the level once they have the number of stories equal to the current level so if you're level one the first time you finish an adventure you name the adventure and you level up um fantastic it like keeps things moving forward it's very easy to understand um it also is great because i love creating titles for stuff and so it'll create it'll challenge me at the table to title every adventure um and like personally, like I'm looking for more games to play episodically, and this is a great one to pick up. It's just like, yeah, this episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, level and associated benefits. So yeah, at pretty much every other level, you uh can increase an attribute up to 18 and you get one HP. And on the other other, every other level, you gain a gift and you get plus one HP. So you get plus one plus one HP every level, and you either get an attribute boost or a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's rule for too slow. You can increase the pacing, which you, you absolutely can do. So mm, uh, next page is going to be gifts, though. Yeah, gifts are dope. Yeah, what were you about to say? What do you think, Ryan? No, I like it. It's clean. I mean, the only the only <laughs> thing that's interesting, um, uh, uh, it's not interesting. The the after your initial creation of your origins and things like that, there's no real way to because it is your background technically um everything comes down to just attributes and gifts which is interesting i think it would be kind of neat at some point to be able to like learn a new background maybe like something like that like something through the course of your adventuring you know if you if you're a barbarian and you learn to read and and you know what I mean? just a little something i think it'd be cool to like um have an option to maybe like homebrew in like being able to pick like another background or like a new background at some point but unnecessary Uh, not necessary by any stretch but i think it'd be cool to kind of toss that in yeah i think that's like almost like expanding upon gifts which we're about to go over that'd be a Mm -hmm. good way to handle that as well uh so real quick aside here we've not really been talking about the lore but there's this constant theme of law chaos and balance in this game um and we have kind of like mentioned it but we've mostly glossed over it but it is like a fairly narratively important thing. There is not like a three-by-three uh, three of alignment. It's more kind of like, is your character a little bit more chaotic? Are they a little more lawful? Or are they a little, are they right in between? Um, but also, it seems like it kind of doesn't have to matter if you don't want it to. Um, so, having said that, uh, each gift can only be taken once. Gifts can come from the powers of balance, chaos, or law. A time may come... When these choices affect your character, the GM will find more information about this in the in-game section on page 70, which we probably won't go over in the stream because by the book. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, um, so gifts. Um, gifts, uh, they're, they're pretty much, they're, they're almost like feats, you know? Yeah, I mean, kind of, um, except that like um, a lot of them are... I feel like a lot of them are more passive than active. Like they give you um, a, they give you something like because it's a gift versus allowing you to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So like for example, like um, like bloodlust upgrades your damage die by one size. Yeah. Um, so that's like just the thing that you that you get, but then you get something like battle hardened and gifts of law, where it says in combat you get a crit success on an unmodified roll of one to three. So like, um, I mean, I guess that's again that's still just like a like a passive little bonus that you get. I yeah. guess I, the con- the fact that it's a gift really makes sense. The word really fits what you what you get here. What did any of these really strike out as like what you would immediately take? 
Um, so because I was building like a, a magic assassin, I was thinking like Dark Revelation, because if you fail, if you totally whiff your magic roll, uh, you have to make a roll on the Torn Veil, uh, which can fuck up really terribly, and this gives you advantage on that. Um, and then maybe like, once again, kind of the same pair. I was looking at chaotic stuff because I'm me. Uh, paranoid, you have advantage on your initiative tests. Um, because I did, well, I was making like an assassin, like a magic assassin, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, this is once again, uh, right for a million more. Like yeah, you totally. can write a whole book that's literally just more origins, backgrounds, and gifts. Like armor of scars is dope. Like yeah, that's really cool. lean into the barbarian not wearing armor bit, you know? So really cool. Really like it a lot. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, another really cool spread. Uh, so, so this good. like I like this dark. This it's like this big dark thing and, and like area, and there's just one guy kind of falling through it on the panel above, above dark packs. Yeah, it's very like it's the ocean, but it gives space too. You know what I mean? Yeah, space it's, ocean. Uh, yeah. Um. So dark packs and other vileness. Uh, signing a pact with immortal creatures made of devious rage. Uh, deviousness, rage, and hatred. You're welcome to try. Uh, such bargains tend to blur the lines between master and servant, whatever your orig original intentions. Uh, working with demons and practicing magic means you'll be serving chaos in the end. Um, yeah, use responsibly. This game gives you rules for sorcery, demon packs, spirit alliances, fairy ties, and twisted science. It doesn't mean you have to include them all. Um, yeah, I would probably include them all um, because. I like weird shit, and I'm like, pile on the yeah. weird, bro. Can I get some more yeah. weird on my plate? Um, yeah. Yeah, so we don't have to deep dive all of these, but uh, so these tie to your backgrounds, right? D-Impact's mm -hmm. going to tie to the Warlock background. Um, this one's kind of the most... It, it, this one's really interesting um, because this is the only one where you roll your Doom die, uh, which is uh, a more limited die, um, but the effects of a Demon Pack can be... Um, a lot grander. Um, all of these have like a failure uh, table. So the demon's revenge is if you fail, uh, which is your doom die rolls a one. Um, and there's a side effect. Um, these are talk about demon. What's up? The demon's oh, revenges yeah. are so fucking good though. Like the yeah. like so it's a it's a d6 table, but like the the um, uh, demon pays itself in your blood is a fucking dope one or the broken pack like you literally can't summon it again ever it again steals your yeah. shit. it it's so good yeah i like that it just appears and inflicts uh 3d6 damage before wandering off and the pack is broken <laughs> pops so, up punches you and it's like all right well i'm gonna go uh all right um, so uh, demons are really powerful but there are there is like a very easy margin or big margin for failure on this one like you really can fuck up terribly uh, which is why taking like the gift um dubious friendship i think is what it's called um which gives you advantage on this role is like not the worst idea in the world um mm -hmm. but yeah um demon manifestations like as a rule uh demons are never seen as they don't need to appear physically to influence their target um i like that a lot i don't know why but it's like always like you see a demon it's like no like they're like invisible and like very dark in their nature um, there are there's a rule table for like how to find the demon you seek um, and how to create a pact is like written there a little blurb 
Um, there's also types of demons. So this is very interesting. Um, when you are invoking your demon, there is a thing that happens on a one, right? And so usually it's things go incredibly awry. Like I think one of them is that you make your target fall asleep. Sloth. Um, so if you invoke your sloth demon, right, Ryan? Um, you're going to do that to the to cause a target to fall asleep. But if you roll a one, the target falls asleep and never wakes up. Um, and I love that. I love that it's like, oh, on a one, kind of what you wanted to happen happens, but times 100, and it may, it's not exactly what you wanted, you know? Um, it's interesting that it's a one. Because... What? Well, because... So are... are are we saying these things are good things or bad things or just weird things? So it's right? a, on a on a one on your doom die. So it's a failure. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry, my brain broke for a second. So then, yes, but it's very much how a demon would want you to fail, which is you ask a demon for something, and it's like, oh yeah, you want that thing. Here's that thing, way more than you wanted it. Yeah, it's uh, like the Leprechaun movie where it's like you asked for something, but you you, totally. you got it. it. What the other thing? I think maybe that's something that like just um, popped into my brain real quick was um, I like when systems, and this isn't like a big problem um, or or anything that obviously not big enough for me to notice before. I like when all the numbers <laughs> are the same. So oh, the yeah. fact that you this is roll the under rolling one is bad. Yeah. Yeah, so like rolling a one on everything is good except for your usage die, which reduces your usage die. So like it's yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway, um, so um, good. So yeah, there's a lot of different examples of demons and what they do, and then there's the option to make a free form demon, which I would be interested in doing. Where instead you just invoke a demon and ask it for something. It seems like the big like outlier with this one is like when you they do roll a one, how do you make it worse for them? Um, mm -hmm. But yep. I think holding on to that like, very insidious, like a, a demon's going to do, yeah, it'll do what you ask for it, you know, like, but it'll do it in a way that you necessarily didn't want it. I think it'd be fun yeah. to, as the game master. It's so good. I, I, I love this part here where it literally says what you just said. The tricky part is coming up with a backlash. Uh, like, so there's this little bit of like explanation right here. I would have loved this same thing in, or in the origin and background section, just this one line that says, like here's a, a way to do origins this is the part that you know you need to pay yeah. attention to i would have loved something that just says origins and backgrounds and gifts Th these are the quick ways that you can make more and then and then just go yeah yeah i super agree so um yeah very cool section um Spirit alliances. Uh, so this is going to be for the shaman background. And basically, you um, they're not demons. They're spirits um, from the spirit world, which is a parallel world to ours where there are no demons. Um, shout out that world. Um, yeah, and so you're the column of spirit. You roll your doom die uh, with disadvantage. Oh, yeah, all of them, by the way, when you're rolling for these, is disadvantage if you've already called upon them once today. So the first time, you just roll regular Second time you're like, well, um, I guess this is Doom Die as well. I just I'm I didn't realize that. I mostly gonna be honest, I focused on sorcery and uh, fairy tales, um, because I'm me and that's exactly what I would do. So yeah. Um a spirit uh use is more open-ended than any other type of power. Each spirit has its own guidelines. Uh the goal is to help the player make good use of their powers. 
without going overboard. So there's like several different types of spirits. There's ancestor spirits, animal lord spirits, disease, fire, forest, hunger, pain, river, wind. Um, and they all have their own like kind of how those individual things work. And it kind of worked the way you think like a disease spirit would work or a hunger spirit would work um, or mm -hmm. an animal lord. Um, and I believe they all have a um, a like a backlash as well. Like yep. on the one, the shaman's infected or affected as well. There's also rules for sacrificing your spirit alliance, um, which you can choose to sacrifice um, that a relationship with spirit, and you're granted a huge effect, right? Like a fire spirit create massive firestorm, um, so on and so forth. Very cool. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Give me just a second. Oh, yeah. And also, so the shaman starts with two different spirits, too, which I really like. So you can, like, it's not just picking one. Um, but yeah, those are the those are spirits. Um, and then once again, there's another, like, creating a pact and then, like, rolling on, you know, what price does the spirit ask for creating a pact? Um, yeah, very cool setup. And then, uh, yeah, you know, my next, my favorite's coming along, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorcery. Um, it's sorcery. I love sorcery. This is for the forbidden knowledge background. You start with four spells, but these are random. You roll randomly for these. And there's a reason for that, because there's a couple on here that would fuck up the game entirely if you were able to stack all of them together. Um, uh, but as a player character, I'd be like, oh, well, I want an adventure to get these spells, you know? And as a GM, I would let them do that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So this is going to be an intelligent test, which, you know, casting spells. Um, whenever you, if you cast a spell again on the same day, you do so at disadvantage. Um, if on a failure, critical fail, you, you roll on Torn Veil, which I referred to earlier as the thing I would take, like, the advantage on. Um, because, you know, a sick satanical monstrosity appears and takes you to another plane. Although that kind of sounds sick. Um, yeah. Uh, range and duration, other uh, like unless otherwise stated um, in its description, you must be able to see the spell's target. Kind of makes sense, right? Um, and you can learn a number of spells equal to your intelligence score, which could be fairly high. You know, it's a pretty good amount of spells. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of very cool and unique spells in here that I would very much suggest you buy the book and read. Um, it's a freaking it's a d100 but it's a d100 I, but there's, there's a lot i think it, I, it's i think it's 50 because it's one or two is one i think it's a list of 50 spells rolling a d100 because you get no like three four and five give you animate mirror so it's interesting how sometimes there's two and sometimes there's three i'm, I'm curious why they why 2022 yeah, like 15, 16, 17, 13, 14, 11, 12, 8, 9, 10, 6, 7. There, it seems like there's either uh, it assigns two or three numbers to, to different spells. But I think it's I lost count. There's like 40 something, like 41, 42, yeah. something like that. Yeah, um, um, well, any, I wonder, any spells like super jump out at you is like what exactly oh, dude, you would so take many, right I mean, 100 is like, 100 is the best one. Um, maybe, not, maybe not the one I would choose for myself, but I just think it's really uh, withering. Your target has a strength and vitality of a 90-year-old for the next six hours. Um, and that, like, okay, like, I just won this fight. Um, yeah, that's fucking so good. 
What about you? Oh, oh I just rolled a 69. Nice, um, perfect. Nice. Yeah, so uh, the red trap. Um, oh, this is a really good one. Yeah, make a small pool of your own blood. Dope, losing two HP until the spell is canceled. Anyone stepping in the pool cannot move further. That's dope. I love that. I think it's so cool. Um, yeah. yeah, there's uh, Dead Man's Map is a cool one. Uh, the blood of a dead creature draws a map that indicates the rough location of its murderer. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's good. There's some spells that are just like, yeah, there's like acid blood and stuff and like withering. And there's some that are just like, well, that's weird. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I love I, when I, magic is weird. Yeah. Well, I, I love this is another place. Every single one of these is, is, is again, what I said before, when the mechanics build into the lore, like the demon types and all that kind of stuff really builds the lore into the mechanics, the spirit types. There's very few of these spells that are like, yes, that is good and fun and people would enjoy if I did that. You know what I mean? Like every single one of yeah. these spears, these spells is dark and fucked up and like really, and uh, they're so, so clever. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I really liked how weird it was. Um, and then, yeah, there's another like finding and learning new spells and then uh, like where is the spell? And then we get on to very... Uh, ties this is for the changeling background very this one's a very unique one because this one is actually like you take <clears throat> two ties um to the fairy realm and they just kind of give you something one of my favorite ones um just because i like it uh actually they're they're all really good um but i like cauldron of gold because i'm very pragmatic you own a magical gold bizant worth a hundred coins and that's just like a like one gold coin um, that always find its, finds its way back to your purse after 1d8 dawns. Um, so you just spend 100, and then in 1d8 days, essentially, you're just going to get it back. That's um, cool. It's so funny. Um, and I could just, the hijinks of this would just be, um, yeah, yeah, I really like this one. So. Yeah, and then and, and just the, the, the variation of these, like, four types of, like pax is so smart and so well done like i was just saying like cold iron weapons elfin secret silversmith sorcerer skinwalker they, it feels so unique to compare to the other ones it's not just like let's just reskin it to be like elfy shit like it's actually like really really well done individually to, to separate all these out yeah i super agree mm. Um, yeah, and then Twisted Science, uh, another one that I, I like. I, you know, I glossed over it. Uh, I'm not much of the adventure guy. I'm trying to make deals with demons and cast big spells. Yeah. Um, but well, so this one's for the adventure backgrounds, and this this it, it adds a little bit of um, what I hate in my world, but is done <laughs> in a good way, which is technology into my weird right. fantasy. Um, but basically that that's exactly what this is. Like you, you get to build uh, gadgets and inventions specifically for the inventor one um, that, and your gadgets have inventor points. So there are costs associated with building your gadget. Um, and then there are usage dies associated with that too, but it's these twisted science Marvel. So it, it feels very like, it's not, it's not um, steampunk shit, which I love. No, it's, it's definitely not. Yeah. Acid spray, blood tinted spy glasses, a freezing war hammer, hallucinogenic gas. Like, I feel like it's just on the cusp of technology, which I really love. Yeah. Not established in any way, shape or form. <laughs> like the metal owl, the automaton is the only one that I feel like 
really pushes the 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 um the technology a little bit forward right. other than that like i i feel like again it's just like very like this to me this like uh image here of the metal owl with like the giant thing feels i don't know why it feels so out of place to me maybe i, I need don't, to read more I sword think and sorcery that's actually um what, what page is that give me a page number real quick i'm oh, uh, down. 45 i think that's actually um something from the bestiary and that's where the picture is because i think it refers back to oh. it later okay um, um keep reading i'm gonna look yeah, I, I mean it's creating new objects steampunk novels movies and animes are a great source of twisted science gadget take the 19th and early 20th century items and add a dash of madness i love everything about this game and then i would just tear out these like three pages yeah um, you're not a big technology guy I just, I just don't. I think every other aspect of the setting do, would not make me. When I got to this part, I felt like it felt to me, it felt very um, anachronistic. But yeah. I don't, I don't mind that it's in there for people that do like a little bit of tech in the world. I would just ignore this and not let people, not let people pick, like pick this part. Right. Very much yeah. you. Um, I can't find what I was looking for, but I'm sure I'll find it eventually and send it to you and be like, yeah. "This is what we're talking about." Um, so runic weapons. So these are your magic weapons. Um, and there's almost none of them. Um, they're very powerful. There are very few of them in the world. Um, they are, uh, like associated with chaos law or balance. Um, and they're like, I think they're like follow, like a mortal followers tied, like of these things tied to a blade. Um, but yeah, they give you a cool little weapon or a cool little roll table um, for building them. Um, yeah, very interesting. Um, I rolled. Um, I, I I love this. I rolled a ten and eight and a seven. So it's I roll the Naginata of withering, withering death. Withering death. <laughs> okay. Sick. I'll take that all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love see this immediately drops me right back into the world where I go, yep, runic weapons is what I would use now technology. Yeah. Um runic weapon has an intelligence score. It's rolled the same way as a character's intelligence score score. The GM makes an int uh test, which is interesting because GM doesn't almost ever do like roll at all. But for this one, GM makes an int test for the weapon at the beginning of each session. If successful, the weapon will kill the character if they become helpless during that session. <laughs> so Love it. you have a very powerful weapon that will in fact kill you given the chance mm -hmm. so good love it love it so much yeah um and then and there's uh really weapon properties um which kind of just lay out like what it does um i think this is very cool a very easy way to build a runic weapon but also it's like i like that it's like this is not a thing that they'll see like there is an example world in one of the appendices and there's literally like two um in the yeah. entire world created like, like you 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 would you could build a whole campaign or multiple like adventures in your like campaign because a whole campaign i didn't do the math on it but you'd have to how many games do you have to get to to, to retire like it, I, I imagine it's like three six it's an exponential like, list from two to ten so yeah so it's like 30-ish or some shit or whatever yeah, i can imagine a whole chunk of that like five to ten adventures around finding it it fucking you all over and then trying to get rid of it like and it would be super dope 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like the kind of thing like, oh, there's a great evil rising in the West because one leader of some band got this one weapon and now people are just following him because like, yeah. oh yeah, he he's holding the yeah. withering, the Naganata of withering death, you know? Yeah, right. Um, and he's got a deep voice and like a weird bowl cut long situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, um, I think this is really cool. Um, and then the, yeah. the Beast Theory, which is here. So it's yeah, really great. It's cool. Um, it gives you NPC stats on the fly and how to make them. Um, it's also nice because they uh, they like section a lot of this. So, like here's a type of enemy and here are several different ones within that type. Um, it kind of gives you some lore on each of them as well. Um, I really like this. Shout out to uh, Serpent Folk because those are always Serpent People. Always my favorite. I love the like first civilization is like snake people and like this is what's left of them. Um, yeah. Always great. Never gets old. My one of my favorite cliches in swords and sorcery are like fantasy. Um, but yeah, yeah. swords bad or snakes bad. Snakes first bad. So yeah, very first. What do you what do you find on the corpse? Was another one yeah. I loved a lot. I, I did like this because it's like, hey, listen, like it's a person. So really, you're not gonna find like, you know, you're gonna find a body part. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah <a> tooth. <laughs> so yeah. And then we get um, to uh, create your own world, which was a really cool guide. I actually really read through this, and I really enjoyed this. Um, they lay out like their game, their world, uh, and ideas, and like some stuff you can use, um, like lands and governments, people, kind of the the law and chaos aspect of it. Like, what do the main antagonists of either force look like? What do their troops look like? What do their empires look like? Um, and then way later. Um, I think getting to power 70, um, it talks about balance, this place between law and chaos. Um, and then the end game, uh, what you know, the campaign looks like um, towards the end. Um, yeah. And then there's like more stuff. There's creating your own city. There's a lot of, honestly, this is actually maybe some of my favorite appendices in any uh, adventure game ever. Uh, I read all of them and I enjoyed all of them. They were all really good. There's some adventure seeds. There's some straight-up adventures. There's a city. There's a world someone built. There's a list of, like, touch points. Um, yeah, there's, like, a plot generator. And I, it's it's really very useful. Um, yeah. It's, it's it, <clears throat> like you just said, like, the, the tables for building that weird world and all the things that you need... Like it, it turns prep into a couple of dice rolls and then just letting your characters exist in the world. <laughs> and it's so well done. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 part the 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 appendix, like the running the game section, like the GM guidance section, is also really, really well done too. I mean, we we see this a lot in in um in in some things but this i feel like this one was so concise and as someone in chat just said the advice from the great old ones where it's literally like quotes from all of these sword and sorcery yeah, authors like howard yeah. and moorcock and lieber like in an imperfect world the mysteries were always without solution and that was why there was always a great choice of solutions like it's it takes the quotes and breaks them down into um like how you can ascribe the way that these people wrote their worlds and wrote their adventures to the way that you write your world and write your adventures. Like it's just, um, and then, and then a whole like, um, solo section, like solo rules. Oh yeah. Very cool. I did see that as well. 
Um, no, I'm just, not much of a solo gamer, but like I do like that it's here, you know? Yeah, I yeah, I I I love solo adventure games. Solo like writing games, I think they're fantastic. That is not the way my brain works. I cannot focus on something long enough to just write shit. But uh, the the then the literature section here, I love that the first law um and shattered sea from Joe Abercrombie's on this list because yeah. um uh first law like uh, uh Logan bloody the bloody nine and and is is to me modern sword and sorcery in a really interesting fun way so just they just so put, good i was wondering did they put um cl more on this list oh i just wondering i don't, know. I, I don't remember seeing more hey listen you, know, you could listen, you them. could you could read the black god's kiss um which is yeah. another great sword and sorcery or in fact yeah. you know there's a really great creator that we know who's working on a uh black god's kiss project um <laughs> might, might might be um i, I do uh, though so. i do love that um that jack vance and um gene wolf are also on the list too like there's a really interesting yeah. like sword and sorcery into like kind of like uh the the evolution of those things that that were really that are really um good too and even, even comics I know, like I, maze you know, world I've never and Berserk books but people will like rave about them i know i know them you know yeah. i got the dying earth set from dcc um oh nice yeah yeah I mean, that's kind of, Vancy and Magic is something that also, but, but, yeah, we all know how I Magic. Have you so. read Book of the New Sun? No, I From haven't. Oh, listen, I gotta be honest, dense as fuck, but so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, just all of these appendixes, like the, the Dark Gods Oracle appendix, like cosmic usage dice. Like, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Just, all the way beginning to end um even impossible creatures this book is so well done when i see everything that we just went through the number of appendixes like the amount of art everything that we just read and then i see the book and it does not look like a very big book Dude, seriously it blows i went my through mind. this for like a couple of weeks man and i was like oh there's like a lot in here that doesn't feel like that you know, but there is a mm -hmm. lot in here. Um, I mean, there's even like a there's even like names, and obviously like yeah. a, a cool like like nod to the to the book. Of the also, did you see the character sheets? Yeah, the character sheets are fucking beautiful. I like them. They're so clean. They're very clean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where? Yeah. The, oh, and like the sword down the middle and stuff, and yeah. like the logo thing. It's just, I mean, yeah. I mean, but also the system is like super easy. And I also love that the character sheets, there's like four character sheets. There's like a sideways one. Um, there's this like kind of like short halfy halfy one where you could literally print it out and like fold it in half and have almost like, well, my one character died. Let's roll over and do another character. Yeah. And then like the <laughs> full page one. That, like, I mean, also, it's uh, with the, it, the glossary. Yeah. My uh, after the glossary and after the sword, there's that, that Conan quote that I love. Um, which is, if life is illusion, then I am no less an illusion. And being thus, the illusion is real to me. I live, I burn with life, I love, I slay, and I am content. Uh, which is one of my favorite Conan moments, because you're just like, because he's supposed to be a barbarian, but also like, he's he's a fairly, a fairly deep character. He's fairly intelligent. Um, yeah. But Conan, yeah, Conan in the books definitely has a level of of, of sophistication to his bloodlust. That's that's really um, do you know what's crazy? 
I've never yeah. seen the movie. You have never watched like the Conan Arnold Schwarzenegger movies? Bro, I, I literally watched one the other day. Like, I didn't get to watch the whole thing because ADHD, but like, you, they're all over fucking like Netflix and stuff. And uh, thank you so much for everyone that just rated 20 sides to yeah, every story. I really all. appreciate it. Um, so we are just wrapping up our read through of Black Sword Hack, and we're going to hop into the uh, rating system that we do um, for um, for these drive. games. I'm very biased. I really, really love this game. <laughs> so That's fine. I, I enjoy being being objective about a lot of this stuff. Um, I, I love the game, too. I think it's it's incredibly well done. Um, and uh why does this keep getting worse as I make the screen bigger? I accidentally messed with our Zoom windows before, and I feel like I'm just making it worse every time I do anything. <laughs> um, there we go. That, that, that looks better. So um, Black Sword Hack, the Weekly Squirrel Game Review. The way we do this, since it is a full-size book, um, this is the book. It's fucking beautiful. Um, uh, we break our... our we. How do you quantify... Uh, a tabletop role-playing game. We try, probably unsuccessfully, <laughs> but we break it into five categories, all of which are given uh, value up to 10 points each. Five is not bad. It's just bang average. One would be really bad. Um, uh, the first is the art and style. This covers the style of the art, the quality of the art, the quantity of the art, but also a little bit of like the, the, the layout as art and style, the style of the layout artistically with it. Um, and then when you get to layout, layout is really more about, um, readability, navigability, um, all of those things the, the like use of, use of the page. Yeah. The functions, um, rule set is if it's a unique rule set, um, is it good? Do we like it? If it's an adapted rule set, how well is it adapted? Do we like it? Originality is very broad, kind of like catch-all one, where it can be originality in the rule set, originality in the setting, originality in the art style, like all of that all kind of broken down into one. Um, and then value is the bang for your buck. Um, it is the uh, not only how much you pay for the original game, but what you get for the amount of money that you spend. Um, character sheets, um, uh, open licenses, um, extra content, you know, all those kind mm -hmm. of things. Um, what do you get for all that? So art and style wise, what are, what are your thoughts? So this is a pretty good one. It's definitely not not an art book, but, you know, there's pretty much art every two to three pages. And the art is fantastic, uh -huh. it is incredible, it is amazing. It's contiguous. It reinforces the vibe, which I love. We love um yeah for me this is like a good like a strong eight for art yeah i think i think easy peasy eight i just think for a lot of the art almost all of the art i think is is character art right and very full page there's not a lot of page like enders um or like little small pieces as you go which i think would really bump it yeah. up to another level very few but at the same time there's not a lot of pages that have <clears throat> like i don't think there's any pages that really have like an empty spot you know uh there's right. that there's that helsing dude was like a partial page the little dwarf right. guy was a partial the page guy, yeah yeah, yeah. But um, like, and then on there like are... you know on weapons and armor and shields there was space to maybe throw like a art of one of those or there is space to put more stuff which is why yeah i'm just explaining why i don't think it's a nine but i think it's a yeah. very strong eight yeah i don't i i i think i agree with you i mean like you said specifically like the equipment page actually has like a good like quarter of it at the top that's just like empty um could have put even just like a like a 
like some type of like running thing across the top or like a little thing at the bottom um i mean yeah eight eight i think eight's a really really solid art score for a game that's not an art book and i think that this is a hard eight like yeah. easy easily fantastic just the art from from goran is fucking beautiful um layout wise Pretty straightforward, two columns, uh, only a couple of pages, kind of break that up a little bit, like the equipment, like specifically the weapons, things like that. But navigation-wise, I mean... Oh, man. So I wish the book had a bookmark, um, but that's a bonus, not a deduction. Um, but the, the hyperlinks are fantastic there's i haven't found a broken one um they're everywhere you could possibly want one if it references another page there's an inline hyperlink there's bookmarks there's uh, one thing that some people forget a lot too is links to the the people in the books stuff absolutely like can, yeah they're like you can the click on Gorn and go to Gorn. page yeah i mean yeah. and it, it, all that's there yeah um i i think it's incredibly readable it's it's a, it's a dark it's black on a uh basically white background with a little bit of like a um a parchment texture to it it's readable it's navigable it doesn't necessarily blow me away with like the bonus features we really feel like you know the the color-coded shit and bookmarks and all that kind of stuff right um where are you with this i'm uh, this is another strong eight yeah, I feel the exact same way. I think that this is an easy eight for that. Um, all right, getting into the rule set. So I've read the Black Hack, but it's not the system that I know like the back of my fucking hand. Right. So how well it's adapted, I feel like a lot of the core bits of it are there, but I don't know how many. I can imagine that a lot of these subsets aren't in the Black Hack, like uh, demon packs and shit. Um, yeah. So... Um, what do you what are your thoughts on the the rule set overall i love this rule set it's a really great example of a d20 roll under system and i mean that's a black black hack thing but it's also a great like example like fleo of awesome um subsystems uh yeah. it has amazing subsystems that all fit in really well um that i really enjoy i mean and the rule set's always a really hard one for me mm -hmm. um because to me, this is about as good as a rule set's gonna get for me. You know? Um yeah. I could I would maybe change like one or two things, but like this is a strong eight to nine for me for rule set, you know? Oh, easy yeah, easily eight to nine for me. I mean, I you know, I love for for D twenty, D twenty rollover well roll under is the best. I think that there's no rule that I would change without playing this game about 50 times first but yeah. there are some rules that in my brain i i i go i absolutely understand why that is done that way it's consistent with the way everything else works but my brain would like it done slightly differently and that's only in like one or two spots um i think again i don't know necessarily how well it's adapted from black hack because once again i've read it but did not research it but much like Flayo the subsystems really shine in the way that the the game is designed and i also think that it shines massively in the way that all of the systems reinforce the play style that i think that um kobayashi was going for so what do you think the world that i mean i i am between an eight and a nine on this I, i'm probably an eight on this i mean 
I think that more <coughs> like kind of out of the box, unique mechanics are what I shoot for. Things more like Necronautilus style stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like things where you like words are your power in your life. I think this is like an easy, an easy eight, almost nine for me. Dude, eight, eight's all. Hey, listen, eight's all across the board. You know? Yeah. I mean, those are solid fucking scores. Um, originality. So this one's interesting for me because it literally is genre not emulation. original like at all like a genre emulation <laughs> like that's but um done in such a good way like i've seen a lot of sword and sorcery games and i don't know if i would say that any of them are better than this as far oh, as i this is without a doubt my favorite swords and sorcery game yeah. like if i wanted no to contest. play conan or elric or or anything like that there is or no other game that I pick own, up before like, this one. My own weird, like weird, grim fantasy. You know, like yeah. I would be using this system. Um, I will be actually using the system because I yeah. uh, fucking love this game. Um, yeah. So for originality, the thing is, like, yeah, it is genre emulation, right? It's like you go to the back of the book, the appendices, and they're like, yeah, like this is you. It's swords and sorcery. Like these you, are all great touch points. Like you literally have quotes from the people who wrote the genre. Like you can't get much more emulated than that so yeah i mean maybe it's not the most original thing in the world but like its use of a genre i think is like really good i think it does suffer from the fact that like i don't know if it's innovating on that genre at all you know it's not um no i but... do think it's modernizing it though i do think it is bringing a genre that's at this point 40 to 50 years old and putting it into a system for people now and i can imagine yeah. people playing this game that haven't read a lot of moorcock or anything like that um that oh. um uh would do would would bring that in what are your thoughts yeah uh i th <laughs> i'm thinking another eight <laughs> i think an eight too like because i mean not only not only again originality is kind of like i don't want to say it's the dump stat here but it kind of where everything falls yeah, you know, not not in a bad way. It's kind of like where everything goes. Like if there's a thing that I really love about the game that doesn't really fit into another like rule um, or uh, another one of our metrics, I, I add it into originality. And I think one person that someone just uh, said in the chat too, all of the appendices, I think, really aid in originality because yeah. customizing your world. Yeah, they're, can, they're, the world generator, uh, city generators, they're, they're really great tools. The tools in this, the subsystem tools, the role tables, they're all so top notch. Um, okay, yeah. so value. Let's talk about value. So this game, if you get it, is $31 American, mother, uh, my brother. Um, it does have a little bit of uh, pricey shipping if you are getting it um, from the Merry Mushman. Um, it is $12 shipping, right? But, dude, there's so much in this book for $31. It's a crazy and, amount of stuff in this book. And it's a beautiful also, hardback. It's, no, sorry, we couldn't hear that, Ryan, because your mic works, but never mind. Yeah, it's a beautiful hardback, and it's not P.O.D., which means it's not um, glossy. It's a beautiful cover. I mean, I love the, like this black edge on the side. We didn't even talk about like the made by humans logo thing here. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the other thing too is like this book, this came out a little while ago. I feel like it kind of came out like 
maybe right as like mid journey started to be a thing and and you could really only make like maybe cool backgrounds for it not like people making like anime chicks and you know what i mean like yeah. it's so the fact that they went made by human i i feel like pretty early on in the context of like fuck ai art in your books get, uh, pay a real person um what was interesting but the book itself for 31 dollars, i did not expect it to be so cheap realistically it's, that's genuinely for what we go over that's pretty crazy and also like to add on chaos car which we kind of touched on but we're not going through today is eight dollars um that's so good value. eight dollars and like 50 ish cents right but like yeah. there is two adventures a location and it's a packed. subset of enemies um it's one of the things you said early was that the font well, was small because there's so it much is, in it it is packed page yeah. to page yeah. like well, the let me tell you, of content, this alone is months of play yeah i my group. honestly this i would expect this to be closer to 40 plus and i would expect this to be an easy 15 dollars. yeah totally and neither of them are that it's it's pretty high value and i think with the world generator the customization like the um i don't remember what the person's name is their world it's already in the back you can kind of piggyback off of like the uh gm section or whatever where it's like building your own world and like how like it gives you ideas for all the areas like i mean it's so just, good it's but not only not only that right like it's uh it's automatically built onto um what is it the the creative commons 4.0 so that means that yeah the the text of the game is in uh ccby 4.0 um and on top of that the srd completely free on the mary mushman website yeah. um so you can um easily use a lot of resources for that um it's directly on the website itself super easy to use and then there's a whole uh section of compatibility logos that you can toss on as well i mean and if i remember correctly i have somewhere saved on my phone someone made like an interactive um character sheet as well um that is that is really well done so what I do mean, you think of think this one i mean i think you know what i'm thinking you thinking an eight? I'm thinking an eight. I think it's an eight as well. I think this I think, is just. I think if there were there was more stuff content created for this game, it would easily be a nine. But like, I'm having a hard time finding more content created for this game. If you have content for created for this game, send me the link. I'll buy it. Um, so yeah. I mean, but here's the other thing: if it's not, I don't think it's a nod that there's not that other people haven't made stuff for it already based on the game by itself you know what i mean right. i just i i i honestly cannot believe that we didn't <laughs> see a million fucking games made after this came out like yeah um i don't know why i and i don't know like <sighs> Would it just be adventures? Like, because, I mean, that black sword hack is a hack of the black hack. So if you're going to hack the black sword hack, you're the black sword hack hack. You were just hacked squared at that point. But, like, I'm surprised there aren't more adventures. I genuinely well, am. Someone in chat know. said a good thing. Could you uh, not use existing black hack stuff? I mean, here's the problem is that you probably could, but I haven't really deep dive black hack, honestly. So, um, but, but, I mean, I guess you could, right? I mean, there's not, there has, there can't be that vast of a difference. Um, you could, you should be able to adapt at least. Yeah. I mean, you can adapt, but I feel like, uh, I, I don't, 
I mean, I guess there's a ton of black hack stuff, but I don't feel like black hack is a weird sword and sorcery game, you know, based on Warcock and, got... and Howard. So there are some black hack um, adventures that are like weird fantasy for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a little more open. I don't know. I'm I'm still pretty good with Nate. Uh, yeah. Oh no, I'm solid. I mean, for for to get above an eight in general, the game you would basically have to give us the game. Like at this point, Merkborg got a ten when it first came out because of the amount of like content that they were putting out for it. And at this point, the game is literally free. Like you yeah. can literally go buy the plain text version of the game entirely for free and have about a thousand adventures for it. Um, and that's why that gets a ten. Eight eight for a game that you you have to buy. Um, is a really high uh, score as far as the value, but it's because the amount of content that you get within this, what I still think, I still, I, it must be page thickness or something. And on top of that, the pages feel very like, like thick magazine pages. There's a yeah. slight gloss and like, like smoothness to them. That's really, really gorgeous. Um, again, like I don't, I maybe I'm looking at the wrong people, but I I, I would think that I would see uh, adventure every other week for this. Um, but regardless, that's not a knock on the game itself. That's a knock on all of the, all the people that are not making good shit for a good game. Overall, a forty, which is a really fucking high score. I mean, yeah, the highest totally. score we've ever given out is like what, like a forty-three or a forty-four. Yeah. So this automatically puts it in the top tier of of all the games that we've ever reviewed and i think that's exactly where it belongs i think everything about this beginning to end i think the rules are fantastic i think the subsets are fantastic i think the art is fantastic i think that the polish on the game is fantastic the layout beginning to end i mean i just think that everything about this is extraordinarily professional and polished and well done and everything you could possibly want from the game, including world generation and literally guidance based on like the authors of the game, of the books that the game is built on. I don't think there's anything more you could really want from this. Um, and I think it's fucking fantastic. Is this yep. where you thought it'd be? Hmm? Is this where you thought it'd be? Yeah, pretty much. I kind of figured we'd be yeah. in the, in at least like the very high 30s or low 40s. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. But, I would play the shit out of this, uh, and we should. Yeah. Uh, that was Black Sword uh, Hack. That's Black Sword Hack. So, uh, for for those in chat here, um, because I don't know if the game, uh, this will definitely not be out on podcast before it happens, but tomorrow um, and the following day, we are doing a, um, a really fun batch of stuff. Last week, we, played, we chatted with the guys from um, Haunted Table and got to play some Triangle Agency. Um, and then now... Uh, tomorrow and uh, Tuesday, we are doing another really fun, interesting thing. Um, we are doing One Night at the Shelterwood Inn. This is a crossover reality, a crossover adventure written for both Liminal Horror and um, Triangle Agency from Josh Demansky and Caleb and Sean at um, Triangle Agency. So we are actually going to be playing the adventure twice. Uh, once with Liminal Horror tomorrow. Um, and Hunter will be running that stream uh, with a fun group of players, uh, Kirby from Disaster Tourism, Andy from here on the Adventure Archive. Um, and on Tuesday, I will be running that stream uh, in Triangle Agency with myself, with um, Leona, um, which is a person that we will link all of their stuff to, um, and with um, uh, Christian Sorrell, Meat, uh, Meat Castle Gameware. Sick. Um, yeah, super excited for that. So uh, you will see uh, Shelterwood End tomorrow and Tuesday in Liminal Horror 
and trying latency. Super excited, very happy. Stick around for that. This is the Weekly Scroll Podcast. This was the Black Sword Hack. You can find us on Instagram at the.weekly.scroll. I'm falling behind again, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, you can find us at uh, on Twitter at weekly underscore scroll. And uh, if you could go to YouTube, the Adventure Archive, find all of our EPs, all of our stuff, um, and hit the subscribe button. We are climbing towards 850, um, and getting to 1,000 is going to be fun and interesting. So do that, and uh, catch us next two days. And I think next weekend the plan is Mouse Raider, right? Yeah. Stoked for that. Um, we will see you all later. That is our episode. Hunter, you beautiful bastard. Have a good evening. You too. And, uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.